Welcome back to Ladies with Gumption, episode 138, Culpabil- Culpability Award. I, I am May, and I'm here with... Tatiana. And Jessica. We recap DCTV in a flash. You can always find us on Twitter at DCTV Gumption. Email us all of your thoughts to ladieswgumption at gmail.com or send us an ask on ladieswgumption.tumblr.com. Our podcast episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, slash iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Amazon, which is now up, um, Stitcher, and any other place you find your podcasts and download them and, you know, listen. And we thank you for doing so because we've seen our numbers increase lately. So thank you, thank you, thank you. We love that you love us. We love you for loving us and so on and so forth. (laughs) Um, For those of you who do have Patreon, again, thank you for your support. It helps us keep this podcast going. For those who don't, um, you can still get it at any point in the year, but it is now $10 a month. Um, We do talk about Stargirl, Doom Patrol. We are going to cover... um, Justice League, we've done WandaVision, we've done The Witcher, we've done Upload, we've done so many uh, different, you know, shows and we take requests. So if that is your thing, please send us something that you want us to talk about and we will attempt to add it to our list to cover it in the future. Um, With that said, we do have some news. We have Black Adam uh, finally has a release date after being pulled from the WB schedule. It is now coming out on July 29th, 2022, and I think it is in like the pre-production stages right now like they're gearing up to film um and then randy mckinnon will write the script for static shock which is very exciting because i know that we've been waiting a little while for that to actually happen um and then this is not dc tv news but obi-wan <laughs> does have a great cast. diversity news um, and yes yeah. diversity they do have a great cast i'm kind of excited to watch it even though i don't care for obi-wan <laughs> as much um but you know Disney Plus is doing their Star Wars thing, and I'm happy for them. We did get a Suicide Squad trailer, which I did not see, but if you ladies nope. did see, do you have any thoughts? I didn't I, see it either. I didn't okay. see it, but it is I'm out. sure it's going to be fun. <laughs> all, I, all I saw was like the, the little um, King Shark edits, like, baby shark. Do, 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 do. Ah, <laughs> that's adorable. <laughs> Harley Quinn King Shark is still superior, so I don't know how the Suicide Squad is going to top that. <laughs> But in other exciting news, we do have Jordan Fisher, who people have been fan casting for years as Bart Allen, is well, that, actually their Bart Allen. Is Bart. Their fan casting name is Don, like all the Don, Don thing. But he's basically Don. really Dawn. close. Yeah. Right. He's, he's basically, basically Don. So it's the same thing. Yeah. 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 He's Bart Allen, West Allen. He's now the former grandchild of, of Barry and Iris is now the son of Barry and Iris on the flash. Um, and he will debut in episode 17, which is the 150th episode. So another milestone episode for the flash. So that's what he's a teenager. Yes. And he'll actually be a teenager. So if he is, you know, he has issues and whatnot, they can be explained away by him being a teenager. (laughs) Well, I think he will. I, I, I can't remember which article it was in, but they were talking about how, you know, they'll have to deal with him being a teenager and all of his impulse control issues. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm sure he'll be very impulsive. Yes. And we hope that he is indeed a mama's boy because that is what we need and deserve in 2021. I wonder if he like studying journalism, like maybe like in the high school yearbook or whatever they do. Just like join Iris. <laughs> yeah. You get a new internship. I would love that. 
It is exciting. He's a he's a great pick. I love him so much. So I'm excited for him. And he's like, I think just an hour ago, he posted on Twitter about how he's ready to like get his super suit. So I think he's probably been fitted for one at this point. So good for you, Jordan. Um, Helen Mirren has been cast as Hespera, Hespera in Shazam 2. Uh, she's not actually a character in the comics, but as the daughter of Atlas, I think that she's going to take on some of his kind of sort of good, sort of evil thing they've got going on there. Um, and I think she's going to be like one of three sisters who are the Hesperides from Greek mythology. So that's exciting. Right. Ooh. It is um, exciting. Yes. Kind of go- going all full Greek mythology on us, which I, of course, love. Um, over in Batman news, we've got Batman The Long Halloween, which is actually an animated movie I did not know they were making until this week, um, has unveiled their voice cast, which includes the late Naya Rivera as Catwoman, who did record her um, lines before mm-hmm. her passing last year. Jensen Ackles is going to be Batman, who's previously your like Red Hood in one yes. of the other Batman movies. Yes, it is. Josh Duhamel is going to be Harvey Dent, which is an interesting choice. And Abracadabra <laughs> actor David Dalshian is Calendar Man, so he's getting a DC glow up as well. <laughs> He's also in Suicide Squad, so good for him. Good for him. Um, and the film is actually being split in two. The first half is going to be coming out this summer. But they haven't really announced an actual date for it yet. And in sad news... Wait, uh, they finished the whole film, but they're splitting it into two movies? It seems so. Okay. Oh, I thought it was just a two-parter, like it's just two movies. But I didn't realize that there was like... It could be, and I just, I don't know, misread that or something. Well, I'm just, I'm anyway. just thinking, if, well, yeah, okay, never mind. I want to go there. Continue. <laughs> she did film for both. Okay. If you're asking, she did. She did record for okay. both parts. Okay. Yeah. She yeah. did both. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then in sad news, we've got New Gods, which was being helmed by Ava DuVernay and co-written, I think, by Tom King, who's a famous comics writer, yeah. um, is no longer moving forward at DC or Warner Brothers. It has been yeah. axed, which is very sad news because I want to know I was what really the looking is. forward to this. They cited it being that something about dark side being in justice league and how that creates he wasn't even in like the justice league right, really like that's not even canon it's not yeah and it's just it's just weird to have that excuse right you know, when fake like a bajillion other different characters versions of different characters in the same right. universe now Batman. so yeah. yeah exactly yeah and also and, that doesn't explain why they canceled the trench so right Exactly, which is was a, supposed to be like an Aquaman spinoff movie. They canceled that, and I mean James um, Wan has already like moved on to like different <laughs> projects at this yeah. point. But it's still sad because it's also noticeably like people of color mm-hmm. uh, movies are being axed when they've like greenlit James Gunn's movie, James Gunn's uh, Suicide Squad. I don't think they had even seen a script at that point. It's it's really weird. Um, and and it's, then, it's also like you know these are movies that are not about the big three. Like we could finally get right. big Barda and the Cinesphere and now we don't. So it's just like, mm. yeah, I think it's kind of just like, because WB has lost a lot of money, you know, over the course of the pandemic, et cetera, HBO max is garbage. Um, and so they're just like trying to be, what's the word conservative and not take risks. Even though but, the things but we get that a they four-hour Justice League exactly, movie. even though the things that they have bet on, you know, the safe and, bets like, have so, already like, been horrible. So stuff about like Zack Snyder and his um, interviews and all the things that he was like, you know, they told me not to do this, but I put it in there anyway. <laughs> and it's like okay. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's it, hmm, it's it's side eye worthy. We'll talk about that when we talk about Just yeah, League. Or teasers. Yes. Teaser <laughs> um, that is it for news. So it, obviously we have our usual format, Joy, No Joy, Feedback, and Lady with Commission of the Week. To kick us off is the lovely Jessica, who will be our host for our covering Batwoman, Supergirl, and The Flash. I will just say it's not really I mean it's not newsworthy in the sense that it's not like the DC realm but it is newsworthy in the sense that you know like Powerpuff Girls also had two major castings one was for Professor Utonium who they cast on Phazon and the other one was Mojo Jojo's son sure like like it's I I don't remember who the actor's name is sorry I just couldn't get over it that it's ridiculous that they were casting Mojo Jojo's son but he's in there. April Fool's joke? Was that supposed to be what it was? I don't know. What? I said, wasn't it an April Fool's joke? I, guess I, it's not, I don't know. They went, back, so. <laughs> they went through with casting and putting his photo out there. So I hope I hope for him it's real because that's a job. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, moving in to the body of this episode. Side A is Batwoman. Walter White of Gotham City. And... In this episode, you have to say, dearly beloved, you're gathered here today, friends and family, minus Alice and Ryan, at the cemetery to lay the woman that they think is dead to rest. Ryan and Alice are mourning in their own voiceovers to Kate. Uh, Ryan is in the Batcave and she's de- uh, dedicating her desert rose to the woman that fundamentally changed her destiny um, and giving it a nice spot in, in the Batcave and promising that she will carry on the mantle. And analysis, um, kind of warning, like, what the hell is she supposed to do with her life now that her sister is gone? Meanwhile, uh, Gotham's newest biggest foe, Black Mask, has the actual K-Cane tied up in his basement for reasons yet known. <laughs> reasons unknown. <laughs> <laughs> Julia believes that Jacob needs to move on. You know, her all of her reports say that it was a mechanical misfunction, truly an accident, but Jacob will not let go and tasks her to prove it and find Kate's killer if he is out there so he can kill them, which is totally healthy and a logical thought process for a man that owns a private military force. Just, you know, great decision really? making there. Yeah. Um, in other news, Sophie's little sister Jordan makes her debut in a big way when she takes on the police commissioner and um, argues that they need to defund the police and relocate those funds to other places to help Gotham, the city. And, um, you know, they get into this argument on the steps of the Capitol only for her to later be a witness to his assassination and be on the wrong side of black mass assassination gang. Um, so she goes to her sister, Sophie, for help. Sophie's like, let's go to the crows. She's like, uh, uh-uh. <laughs> <No. laughs> um, and she's not, you know, even though Batwoman does show up today the day, she's not really a fan of Batwoman either because she feels like they're all one and the same, which is definitely a new perspective on vigilantism. Um, while they don't see eye to eye on respecting the law, Jordan is super supportive of Sophie's coming out, and she may even be the first Wildmore shipper, canon Wildmore shipper on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan, <laughs> Ryan's feelings, however, are still with Angelique, who shows up um, at... Angelique's loft with Mary and it kind of interrupts their breakfast date to apologize to Ryan and she wants to get back together. Um, but, you know, she also does things like be the driver for the getaway car and the assassination attempt on the police commissioner. 
So, you know, Ryan still has feelings for Angelique, and so that puts her partnership with Luke and Mary at risk um, because Ryan wants to give Angelique chance number 18,366, but Mary's like, she's seen this story before with Alice and Kate, and she puts her foot down, leading to a discussion on what it really means to lead a team and be the leader of the bat team and, you know, also what it means to follow. So that's going on. Um, and then lastly, Alice has a psychotic break and goes on a warp walk down memory lane with a 13-year-old ghost of her dead sister. Michael Blundell directed the episode written by Nancy Q and Maya Houston. What sparked joy? Well, um, I thought it was a very good episode overall. I I did love that opening um, montage first where, you know, they're saying goodbye to Alice Alice, think about it. Kate and Alice and Ryan are saying goodbye in their own ways. I loved, like, I love that we've been repeating this this um, motif of the letters to Kate, and of course, at the same time, it's like the dramatic irony, right? Because at the same time, you see Black Mask with Kate, presumably what is Kate. So you're like, oh, it's like we're saying goodbye to Wells for the twentieth time, but this was more, you know, impactful, I guess, because <laughs> it's an important step for all the characters to take that we've been waiting for them to take all season long. So now we can see what they will be doing from now on and how they will how they will grow or evolve without the shadow of Kate. Plus, I did love, you know, Ryan kind of being like, yes, I did earn this title, right? I am Batwoman now. I'm no longer just filling in. So that was great. I love Jordan. I think Jordan was a great character. I hope we get to see a lot more of her. Um, first, I love that it gives Sophie something to do and someone to take care of and more connections. Um, and like you mentioned, I love this new perspective on both cops and vigilantes, right? And like crows, cops, vigilantes, everyone's taking justice into their own hands and maybe not abiding by whatever the agreed upon law is, every institution or even, you know, lawless institution in terms of vigilantes are finding their own way around it and not necessarily doing what is justice for all. Or like, so like that. helping the city. Like this is what exactly. they're supposed to be doing, but you know, yeah. the city's getting left behind. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she's a little firecracker. And I love I also love that it's like this is probably Sophie agrees with her viewpoints, but because Sophie has spent her life or like, you know, ever since military academy, um, being restrained by the institutions that she is involved in <laughs> from the military to the crows, she cannot, she's not free to actually act on what she might believe um so i like that this is like a, a freer an example for sophie of what it could mean to be free um and also i just i did love that jordan was so supportive of sophie coming out and of her sexuality even if she is not currently supportive of the crows nor should she have to be uh loved that woman saving the sisters i love that whole interaction that they had jordan being less than impressed um ryan being offended on behalf of that woman but then later approving of uh jordan herself and Jordan approving of Ryan, which was great. Um, I also loved uh, Sophie's little comment about like, oh, well, this isn't any enemies to lovers, right? She's like, this is not that kind of fanfic. We'll see what kind of fanfic it may be in the end. We do not know. Uh, once more, I was... It really is. <laughs> <laughs> I once more what I enjoyed was moved by the Ryan and Angelique plot. I find it compelling. I was worried for both of them at different points. I, I feel bad that, like, Angelique was like, you know, like when she's like, I'm ready to get out. I want to now. And you're like, this is going to obviously something's going to go wrong here. And so, of course, then she is coerced into the driving the getaway car or whatever. Um, I did, while I totally understand Ryan, you know, sticking up for Angelique, Angelique wanting to give her another chance. I also loved that Mary and Luke were like, listen, 
<laughs> we need an intervention about this. And that it led to those, like, basically, like, the rules of engagement, if you will, the rules of teamwork from Ryan. Um, I thought it was great, you know, like, uh, legacy and... Um, I wrote them down somewhere, but now I can't find them because I can't read. Um, <laughs> accountability and support, basically, I don't remember what they were. Um, but that was, it's really nice to see them sort of negotiating how they're going to work together because they I actually already think are. Those fr- were the three. I'm so yep. good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> support, accountability, <laughs> legacy. <laughs> yes. Okay, but yeah, so I love, I love how they're negotiating being able to work together because they already do care about each other and they already are well Luke is on his way to being Ryan's friend but they are you know they are want to be there for each other but they're not necessarily sure how to handle it because it's not the dynamic that they've been used to um so in one sense like I understand because it's like Kate's Kate's got the legacy down right because she's just borrowing it from Bruce so it's like she can just be like hey this is what I, this is what I want and then they don't really have as much of a say Whereas with Ryan, it really does feel like it is a team of three here because none of them, <laughs> none of them were originally here. <laughs> so, so that's interesting. Um, and also, I, I did like Angelique taking, or, you know, admitting to slash taking the fall for killing the commissioner man in order to protect Ryan. I know that um, many people are like, yes, that's over. Now we can move on. To wild more, but I have to imagine that it's Ryan not over. Just leave her there, like okay, great, thanks, Angelique. So I, I'm assuming there will be more to come from that side of things. I feel like he was <laughs> screaming like the notebook, that notebook line. He's like, it's still looking over. I'm like, there exactly, it is. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, uh, what else? Um, I did, I did think that they, the way they're dealing with Alice's grief and madness and how you know they are intertwined was really interesting. Maybe it went on a little bit too long, but it was really cool to see Alice sort of like, <laughs> you know, talking to a younger, to a, a, a younger version. Um, it's really interesting, interesting way for her to externalize her feelings. Also, I'm happy to see Enigma. I think that's cool that she's being brought into the picture. Very interested to know how she's planning. Like, what is the deal? What is she doing to mess with Kate, with Kate slash to mess with the Canes? Like, what is this larger goal? I don't know, but I will, um, I am interested enough to find out. So I think that is that on that. That was beautiful. Um, I mean, most of your likes are, are honestly mine, so I won't drag on the section, but I will say that I did like the, the power of three <laughs> in this instance uh, when it came to <laughs> Mary, <laughs> Luke, and um, Batwoman because it it's always felt like they have really relied on each other. And I feel like there's a lot more trust with regards to how Batwoman is really open with them about Angelique, for example, about her previous life. Like there's no, there's no secrets among them. And I like that aspect. It just, it does make it feel more like a partnership rather than, you know, carrying on the Wayne legacy specifically and kind of leaving everybody else out of it. Um, and I especially like the fact that Mary and Luke did stage that intervention with with uh, Ryan because, you know, so often when you're close to people who in this case, like Angelique is like shady, she's still working with people Ryan doesn't want her to be working with. It becomes hard to kind of c- 
come in and say as a friend, it's like, I don't think you should be hanging out with this person anymore. Um, because obviously you're going to get a lot of pushback, especially if, you know, Ryan's still very much in love with Angelique and does think that she could change potentially. Um, so it was really nice that they kind of had her back in the sense that they did have that really hard conversation with her because it is really difficult to, to say those words to people often. Um, so I think that was really well handled, which led to, like you said, accountability, sustainable no legacy <laughs> i was gonna say sustainability save save energy anyway <laughs> but I, I did like that conversation so now they're like really you know it, they struggled for a little while especially when it came to luke and accepting his batwoman and now they're well and truly on the same page and it was just beautiful um to see that relationship building in this episode also like jordan was somebody i did not expect to show up on batwoman at all because i thought that you know they were going to show sophie's mom that we're going to have that conversation about her being gay and it's like whoop she's going to go poof <laughs> but i really like only child to be honest i didn't know yeah she they, they never mentioned never anything about her uh backstory beyond that so i really really love the fact that jordan is here i feel like she is an interesting counterpart to Sophie, whereas like, or a contrast, you know, she is more of the, you know, defund the police, whereas Sophie's like, no, no, we can go about this a different way (laughs) (laughs) mentality. And I feel like they sort of bring out very interesting, like Jordan's presence makes Sophie actually get, be able to speak out more you know we actually get to understand where she might be coming from she actually has conversations with her which is really great because sophie has for so long even if she has been doing something she's sort of not been silenced but because she's been so siloed from the rest of the group or she's been stuck with the crows she hasn't really gotten to evolve past a certain stage and i feel like the introduction of jordan who hope will hopefully like recur um is kind of bringing that out in her and we're taking like the steps to kind of rejuvenate the crows in so like what Sophie thinks they should be rather than what Jacob has made them. <laughs> um, so that's really interesting too. And I did like the fact that most of this will go on my dislikes, but like Alice at least having like seeing her reaction to Kate being well and truly gone. I thought it was like a creative way to bring back young Kate um because we didn't i figured they weren't gonna show her ever again um so it was like a clever way to bring in that character and have it still be kate and have that those conversations with the sisters uh was really clever i'm intrigued by what they're doing with kate but i also don't really care at the moment so i'll save that for later (laughs) yeah i like um i think this was a good a really solid episode in terms of setting things up um you know, I like what you guys are saying about Mary, Luke, and Ryan as a trio because it did feel like, you know, before there was always this hope that Kate is coming back. So there was nothing really solidified between the three of them and how they're going to work together. They're just kind of like winging it. And so now that the mantle is truly Ryan's and she does have to take on this responsibility, it's kind of like, well, where does this mean for? the team and how they function. And, you know, in their first disagreement, you've got Mary. It was kind of, it was really interesting because Mary was like putting her foot down. I was like, Oh my God, Mary. <laughs> She's like, oh, I'm so impressed. Like I'm really surprised here um, on, you know, the whole Angelique situation. Cause she has seen it before with Kate and Alice. And she was always been on the outside of it. She didn't really have a say in it because 
Alice is Kate's sister, so that's always going to trump stuff. And because Kate is Batwoman, like, and she wasn't on the team even for a while, so Mary didn't really have a voice. So this was kind of the first time that she's putting up her voice. And I thought, I thought, and Mary thought that Luke was going to side with Mary because he was with Mary in the same situation with Kate and Alice, but he deferred to Ryan because he was like, now she is the leader and we have to trust her and we have to go on with what she says. So it's kind of, you know, now that there's no dangling hope of Kate returning, the chain of command falls to Ryan. And then Ryan obviously is the newest person in this group. So she's, but she has like the biggest responsibility. So it's like, how do you, how do we, you know, work together as a team? So I like their little team building exercise at the end on, you know, the supporting each other, holding each other accountable and then creating a legacy beyond. And I like that Jordan's talk um, and everything that she's trying to do with defund the police and um, all the things that she was saying at Ryan at the bar influenced how, Ryan wants to lead as that woman because I think um, with the mantle, you know, there's a lot of, you know, initially when Ryan put on the suit, it made her feel powerful. She could go in and get someone that, you, the people that attacked her mom and all this kind of stuff. But she's also from these communities and areas that Jordan was talking about need help and, and wanting help and um, what makes the whole vigilante thing um, really interesting is like what Tati said about, you know, all of these people say that they're doing justice, but no one's really helping the community. And I think that really speaks to Ryan because she's from that community. So she's like, you know, now that I do have this power, why don't I actually do something for good with it? So I thought that was a really good conversation that they had um, at the end of the episode. Love Jordan. Uh, I was so surprised <laughs> to get her on the show and, and, um, her relationship with Sophie and just, you know, <laughs> someone said, someone thought I was being really, really hard on Sophie and that I didn't like her, which is absolutely not the case at all. Um, I don't like the crows. I don't like that Sophie is in this position to like defend the crows all the time when I feel like number one, that should be Jacob's job. And number two, I feel like when he suspended her in season one, I wanted her to be free <laughs> and not stuck with the crows. Um, I feel like loyalty is one of Sophie's, like, best characteristics um, and what makes her so compelling as a character. But I also don't like that her loyalty is tied to people like Jacob and institutions like the Crows that don't deserve her loyalty. Um, So it's kind of interesting, like, when Jordan comes in and she's in trouble, she goes to her sister because that's the kind of person that Sophie is. She's, like, a protector. She's, like, someone that is truly a good person and Jordan even though they hadn't spoken for a long time when she's in short in trouble that's what she went to but she doesn't want to go to the crows so like the crows are like legit the issue here it's not Sophie it's the institution that she is part of and um how to kind of you know I feel like Sophie has been someone that always tried to stay within, you know, not stand out too much or cause trouble, color within the lines. And then you have Jordan, who is more of the color outside the lines and more of the rebel. So it's kind of interesting to see them interact with each other. And I like that. Hopefully, you know, I like one that she's supportive of um, Sophie because I think it brings a different dynamic. I feel like Sophie thought maybe she lost her entire family when her mom cut her off. So it's nice for her and for us to see that there's still some kind of hope there. And hopefully 
with, you know, maybe there's some hope that eventually her mom one day down the road will come along. But even if she doesn't, like Sophie still has her sister. Um, and then also I feel like with Jordan kind of shaking things up in Gotham, um, it'll maybe inspire Sophie to, you know, break a rule every now and then or think of ways that she can <laughs> <laughs> reform the crows. Because, again, like the the there's been a theme of the crows are bad. The crows are not good. Jacob is does not care that the crows are not good. And so it's like um, getting more and more. I feel like um, in the beginning of the season, because Sophie was sidelined with trying to figure out what happened to Kate, all of the crows are corrupt storylines kind of hit the burner and haven't gone anywhere. And now I feel like we're ramping up. The crows are bad. The crows are bad. The crows are bad because she's getting ready to do something about it. So I think that's really exciting. Um, I On the Ryan and Angelique part, I did like in the beginning when Mary and uh, Ryan were having like their little breakfast debrief, and I thought that was really cute, and then Angelique ruined it because she came in. Um, but I like that Mary was like protective of the whole situation because Angelique has not been like the, the cleanest person um, with her history. And... I will save the fact that Angelique was being genuine. <laughs> I'm now trying to get out for my dislikes because I just feel like, oh, it could have not, and it would still have been okay. But, um, <laughs> you know, I guess, yeah, I'll stop. Okay. <laughs> um, with Alice, I liked, you know, I, I agree that it was a very interesting way to explore her grief. And I feel like that's one of the things that we've, you know, expected to be able to see like what is you know she like how does she process grief and they even said young Kate said in in the episode that she's never had to do that before so it's kind of interesting um and it's it's an interesting way to keep her occupied since none of the other storylines connect to her at all now that Kate is not there so it'll be interesting to see she's had this grief episode what does she do from there um and then Enigma is also interesting just because she was with Sophia, like Ocean was with Sophia, and then Ocean went with Black Mask, and now Enigma's with Black Mask, and so I feel like Sophia may be like... Why had Black Mask showdown. <laughs> yeah, I feel like she's being like distracted by the wrong people, when clearly Black Mask is doing something, girl. I don't know. But, um... I like that Enigma is in Gotham and it'll be interesting to see how she ties in with Kate because she made Alice lose her memory. So if she's erasing Kate's memories, then it's not going to be, you know, Kate's not going to escape and run to the bat team because she might not know who the bat team is, which leaves us a lot more time to have this, you know, secret that the audience knows that the characters don't know and wondering how, how many run-ins are, when is it all going to like come together? So that's that's really interesting to um, wait and find out. What did not spark joy? Before, sorry, <laughs> I just wanted to add um, about the grief part because I really like what you said, and also the fact that that they're getting to explore it because, in a way, the Kate that we knew is dead. So it's nice that we actually get to acknowledge the fact that she's gone in some way because we're that's not going to get her back in the same way that she was before. Now you we can go into your not, right. not so <laughs> you, you, you have spoken the truth. You have spoken the truth. But speaking speaking of that truth, I guess I'll just start with 
I don't really understand the whole ma- black mask plot up to right now. Like, I don't get why he would have Kate. Like, I know that he says, oh, does he you know, know you does, killed does my it, daughter. Does it imply that he knows that she's Batwoman? He must, right? Otherwise, why would, why Kate, would he would Kate yeah, have this random person? Right. Yeah. But also, like, we watched Kate's entire trajectory. So, like, she killed one person. And it was not Black Mask's daughter. So right. I'm like, where did you get I'm your I'm trying to think, like, did she, like, explode because, a building like, that happened to her, his daughter happened to be in? Maybe. Or... Like, maybe. Or like, somehow on her way back from National City, she decided to stop by. Right. Or did <laughs> she just receive someone. inaccurate information? I don't know. Um, so I'm a little bit like, uh, I guess. This kind of feels like, you know, you, you could have, this is like season five of Arrow or something. Season six, whatever. You know what I'm talking about? Like, when the guy from Lost said yes, in the arrow yes, yes, yeah yes. you know what i'm talking about anyway so i was like okay i guess um so there's that and then also i'm like so what is your revenge plan like you're not killing her you're making her forget who she is so she cannot answer for having killed your daughter and then her people already think she's dead so what did you gain this is like i just don't understand where he's going with this aside from okay we want kate back but we know she has to be a different actress and also i guess we have to earn you know people thinking she's dead so we can let ryan shine on her own for a while or something you know like i don't know what the i don't really understand what the writers are going for and i don't understand what's happening on screen (laughs) at the moment um also further the snake bite right snake bite we have to stop snake bite is very bad for the community like what where especially because ryan is in the community (laughs) and angelique is literally a snake bite dealer (laughs) trying to get out of snake biting so i'm like i feel like we could see more of the ravages of snake bite on gotham because right now gotham just kind of seems like it's just gothaming still i think we saw it that one time like people mm-hmm. what is because i can't remember what it did because it's like they were like hallucinating or feeling some kind of i don't know we saw right, it like right. once and then never yeah. saw it again and then you're like and now they're like snake bites bigger than ever I'm like oh okay so so yeah i mean like it would be interesting especially like for example like for Angelique to want to get out, right? You'd think we would have seen something that would then make her decide, you know what? No, I do want to get out. And I want to be with Ryan. Because the last time we saw her, someone else was in Ryan's um, pajamas or whatever it was, right? And right. she was Lana. throwing Batman, Batwoman out a window. So, like, I don't know. I feel like they could dive a little deeper into this. Like, mo- like hopefully, Jordan is the opening the doorway into Ryan being more involved in the community. Sophie being more involved, whatever. Like, let's actually see what is happening to the people that we can fix in ways that aren't just being Batwoman or being a crow or whatever. So that would be that would be interesting to me. Like going back to season one of Black Lightning, but on Batwoman. <laughs> and that's, I mean, the other thing is just the Alice thing. It was just so long. There's so many scenes, and I feel like we got it once we we're like, okay, obviously I'm crazy. This is not a real thing that's happening right now. Grief. But then it was still going. So I was like, okay, that's nice. So yeah, there you go. It's all just like some things I feel like we could have spent some Alice time on some snake bite or, or something. Yeah, I agree with that. Like I know that they're trying really hard to give Rachel some meaty material, especially now that her main connection to the show is not there anymore. Um, but it does feel really disconnected. Like her plot line was it took me out from the rest of the the plot, you know, the the episode. I can't speak today. Because it's just like 
I'm dealing with my grief. I mean, everybody else was, but they've, it's been like a month, not that they've moved on or anything like that. Obviously that's not how that works, but like they were preoccupied. (laughs) Yeah. There's, they were like preoccupied with other things. And while it is really, really interesting that Alice finally gets to the point where she is actually tackling her grief and not just, or at least like recognizing that she's having a mental breakdown because she's ignored it in the past. I don't know from, like from here, where does her story go? You know, obviously it's gonna it might be tied back into like new Kate, but it just feels like because old Kate is gone, there's something in Alice that's also gone and can't really be brought back. Um, so it just makes her sort of less of a compelling character because of that, especially since like maybe at some point I don't know if they're gonna they plan on redeeming her or whatever, and it just it just brings up the issue I guess that is part of all Arrowverse shows is that when you do have such a compelling villain in season one, like what happens to that character because you can't keep fighting them for like five seasons. So mm-hmm. like what happens to her moving forward and it has to be really interesting or else it's just, she just kind of drops off and I don't want that for her. Um, and I, I was kind of underwhelmed by Black Mask. I don't know. Maybe it's because I was expecting Brian Cranston in the role. <laughs> and how dare they put like a white in the episode that he is not in Black Mask. Yes, I know. It's so weird. So I don't know. It just it, it took me out a little bit. And I feel like because they introduced Snakebite a few episodes ago and we're only just seeing Black Mask kind of being like the head of the operation of snake bite it just felt like oh i guess we're doing this now <laughs> uh, whereas they could have started it you know a few episodes back because he, he could have been intro- introduced at least wearing a mask and, and doing whatever he does so it just feels like compared to last week's episode where there was like high stakes there was tension this episode felt more like a mid-season opener and not a mid-season finale that everybody kept calling it, even though this whole season is skewed anyway but it just didn't yeah. it just didn't make me feel anything even though you know black mask is oh my god you know he's the villain he's the big bad so i feel like they could have done a better job introducing him as a you know primary antagonist for the remainder of the season yeah, it definitely felt more like a season opener. Like, they should have taken a break after the Coriana episode because that would have been, like, a natural conclusion. And then they could have picked up um, here. It just felt like there's a lot of, like, building in this episode, but it wasn't necessarily impactful as, like, a, a mid-season finale kind of gut punch. Um, so that, you know, I can understand how that made it feel kind of off because that's how I felt, too. I'm like, okay. Um Angelique, <laughs> I was a little disappointed that she was <laughs> being genuine because I feel like, you know, there are some people that are just like fuck ups and they're always going to be fuck ups. And I still very firmly, like, even though like I've liked in past episodes how they've developed their relationship, just, you know, someone asked, like, on Anon uh, asked us at one point if we were Ryan Angelique fans. I'm like, no, not really. <laughs> You're just like fans of how they've managed to show why this relationship is so important to Ryan. So I was a fan of that, but I'm not a fan of actually redeeming Angelique because I feel like that's not really where I feel like the story should be going. Um, Just because I feel like, you know, 
you have certain friends for certain seasons and Ryan is entering a new season and Angelique is is last season <laughs> and she she's the same last season. So, and I feel like it wouldn't have hurt the story if Angelique was promising Ryan and maybe she was going to make her best effort and then decided to cut and run. Like that would have been you know as good of a story and she, like she tried to cut and run and she got caught or something like that and that would have been the same story. Um so, yeah, I was kind of disappointed <laughs> in that. And then I'm always disappointed in Jacob. <laughs> um, the scene when... Because I'm like, it's just Jacob it's, Jacob. Yeah. I, just for, just I forgot what Jacob. he even did. Other it's than just like, be like, I don't know my daughters and I don't other know daughters are right dead. Right after the funeral <laughs> or, um, you know, after that one month time up, they came back to the cemetery or whatever. But Julie was, like, trying to convince him, like, look, I've done the reports. I did all this. It was definitely an accident. And he's like, well, I don't care. I don't believe you. You're going to have to prove it to me beyond a reasonable doubt. And um, then he was, like, planning on killing whoever killed once, me. me twice. Told me three times. <laughs> right. It's like, you still have no, like, I feel like, you know, he should have made, like, he's not going anywhere. You would think that once this is finalized and he would be able to move forward. And he's just not. And I just don't really see him surviving the season just because I think he's run out of places to go, to be honest. Um, I can't remember other stuff. So what do the people have to say about this episode? May? What do the people, have to say? people have thoughts and I will read them. And I look it up. <laughs> All right. Starting with Venus. <clears throat> Marie? Sorry, Marie, yes, that's Venus is in her little email title. Anyway, <laughs> she says this week's episode was okay. I love Mary and Ryan's interactions and love their entire friendship. Anyone else ship it because they have tons of chemistry and should go there. <laughs> <laughs> and Sophie and Jordan's back and forth. Jordan's snark with that one was great. Her thoughts about Sophie and Ryan, though, I just don't see it. They're cordial, but that's all I get. Oh, Marie. Marie. <laughs> I, I got your back. Marie. I'm with Marie. I'm with Marie. <laughs> I'm sure it could happen, but right now I was like, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm hoping for an eventual thing. It doesn't make sense now, but they're, they're dropping kind of, it in there. It's funny that Sophie did say this. This is not even an enemy to lovers because I felt like the writers were talking to the audience. Like, don't, don't even yeah, don't think right, about right, it. Right. <laughs> but they made us the think about it. Like, we don't care. <laughs> Uh, also, Black Mask was darkly terrifying. The way he sliced his minion in half was wild, and I'm excited to see what he does with Kate. My main issue is that they did what they did with Angelique. Initially, I liked her and Ryan together, but their storyline was rushed and underwritten, and it was obvious they were never meant to last. Hard to get invested when the writers clearly weren't. I mean, the conversation they had during breakfast should have happened the night after they, they reconciled. Still mad we didn't get a real apology because giving Ryan those bracelets was not it. She went to jail for Angelique, and Angelique thought an, an appropriate response was getting her something from Pandora. <laughs> <laughs> what she said about fighting for her and Ryan making every place feel like home again something that belonged in that morning after scene it all just rang a little bit a little bit hollow after what we've seen her do and her taking the fall hmm, romantic in theory but too little too late also yes. are they going to let her rot in jail like that it seems like something Ryan Batwoman would, wouldn't stand for so I hope that isn't the end hey, of her hey but story. now they have rules it's rule number two is accountability that is true <laughs> um, so those were Marie's thoughts. Thank you so much. We'll post the rest of your um, response to our Tumblr. Then we have Sonia's Batwoman feedback. 
Sonia says, I really like this episode because he was there was very little Jacob, and Sophie finally got the chance to, to shine. Good Speaking reason. of Sophie, <laughs> it was so nice to see Sophie's sister and also a mention of her coming out storyline. I wish that they didn't have to reveal that her mother still hasn't accepted her, but it was nice that Jordan does. And also her trying to be a wingwoman to Sophie and Ryan was hilarious. Speaking of Jordan and Ryan, the scene where Jordan is talking about Batwoman to Ryan and basically bad-mouthing Batwoman to Ryan's face was both cringe and funny at the same time. Like, yes, I get it was meant to be comedic as she doesn't know that Ryan is actually Batwoman, but I don't know about painting Batwoman as the same as the cops slash crows and whatnot. Loving Ryan making Mary pancakes and letting her cry and eat all of their ice cream. Their friendship gives me life. Also, it was so funny how Mary was talking with Ryan about Angelique and Luke is just casually listening to their conversation. Is like, wait, hold up. Y'all are back together. (laughs) 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 Really loving the opposite happening with Mary and Luke in regards to having Ryan's back, but with her back what with her plans with angelique the only thing i didn't like was mary comparing ryan to protect angelique with kate wanting to protect alice the two are not the same at all alice was a straight-up murderer whereas angelique is a drug dealer who got in over her head and was not was an accomplice to someone getting killed not the same at all uh loved sophie being the one to save ryan and that angelique is safe and can be protected thank you so much sonia for your thoughts the rest of your lovely email will be sent to our tumblr as well and then finally we have suarez back not finally because shang also has bad thoughts oh Sorry, Shang. So many bad I thought it was just Supergirl. <laughs> uh, Suara says, Batwoman this week was fantastic. I love Jordan coming in and calling out the crows, including Sophie, on their bullshit. She's a fantastic addition to the series, and I hope we get to see her more in episodes. Also, yes, the show is hinting at Sarayan. <laughs> is that what we're calling them? Sarayan. Um, That's interesting. Yes. I knew I was seeing chemistry before. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say that I also I also enjoyed the drama with Angelique. It actually felt realistic that Black Mask would threaten Ryan here to keep her in his operations. And it honestly felt refreshing for the superhero trope of I can't tell you the secret to protect you form of storytelling. And those are Suarez's thoughts and then Shang. Oh, I remember. That reminds me because I, I swear to God, I thought she was going to tell Angelique that she was Batwoman. I was like, girl, no, don't do it. <laughs> and she's like, I know Batwoman. It's like, okay safe yeah I thought, I thought that too there was a long pause and I'm like, oh, yeah, I was like no. oh don't do it <laughs> don't do it <laughs> shanks that one feedback he says i didn't really enjoy this episode i don't know why i do like angelique and ryan but their chemistry just didn't hit home for me this time lots of uh feelings on angelique ryan and angelique sophie here <laughs> or sorry ryan sophie um but also i was disappointed they didn't save her like from jail i mean it's not often we get love interests that are on the wrong side of the law but still ryan should have said she was batwoman you see what not revealing your identity at a critical <laughs> moment does to you <laughs> i can't do this again after Kara and lena i cannot <laughs> black mask was very underwhelming i prefer the movie version i know i know we can't compare it but it was inevitable i also compared and also brian cranston <laughs> right that is all our batwoman feedback do we have any predictions no because <laughs> yeah. I was going to predict something about the cake thing, but I really have no idea where they're going with it, so I cannot. I guess I would just predict that they'll have to, you know, they will conclude Ryan and Angelique once, you know, Ryan gets Angelique safe, out of jail and safe, and then, you know, it's like... Because I feel like the thing that she's been saying remains accurate, you know? Which is like, I cannot... Story is also like linked to Julia, so yeah. I mean it's not a prediction, but at least she'll be sticking around, I guess. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Julia will find out the truth. Yeah, <laughs> not Sophie, but she will find out about Kate. I that reminds me of a dislike that I had about the whole Kate Kane side of the plot because they made this whole big to do about 
we've casted Wallace Day, even though you don't <laughs> see Kate's face in the last episode, and, and she doesn't do don't. anything in this episode. So it's like, why did we make this big like to do about Wallace Day? Unless they just like had to like put her... see her face later. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like I guess they had to like you know just because she's gonna show up in the credits or whatever. But right. Still, right. I, would, I was expecting Kate to do something, and she hasn't done anything yet. <laughs> so Same. Same. I'm really just, like, waiting for when she does. We do see her face, and she is moving about the city, and maybe she doesn't know who she is, and all of the possibilities of Kate and Sophie running into each other or Kate and the bad team running into each other and neither person knowing who the other person is. But I know who both of them are, and so I, I just, like, ready for that. Um it's not a prediction. It's just like, like a wish. Ryan saves her as Batwoman and yeah. like brings her to the Batcave. I don't know why she'd bring her to the Batcave though. I don't know. <laughs> but she could rescue her. That is for sure. I think that's definitely. <laughs> I, they have to do like a Sophie, um, Kate, but I don't know who you are thing because you know it's for science. <laughs> Moving on to side B, the Flash and Supergirl. Side B is titled Psych. And the binding. So over on The Flash, Barry and Team Flash are still on edge after their encounter with Fuerza when a powerful new villain named Psyche appears on the scene and channels and amplifies everyone's fears in order to wreak havoc on Central City. Cecile is the first to become aware of Psyche's presence. Um, and then Barry shortly afterward when he is hit with his own dose of fear and confronted with images of being killed by Thon and Savitar in the same way they killed his mom and Iris. Um... The aftershocks of both Fuerza and Sykes' attacks um, damages the speed force enough to make her materialize in the form of Nora Allen in the middle of Star Labs for help. Flimsy mind dampeners aren't even enough to stop Psyche from psyching out Frost, Cisco, and Barry. When they go to confront him at his next robbery, Frost sees her worst fear, which is being arrested for crimes she actually did commit, and Caitlin being the one to snitch her out. Um, Cisco lies and says his worst fear had to do with Camilla. And Barry's worst fear was seeing Speed Force Nora, Cisco, and Iris dead in a destroyed CCPD. Faced with an increasing vulnerability to Sykes' powers, Barry realizes with Cecile's help and a handy-dandy thinker's chair that he must face his own worst fear in order to beat this new threat. Meanwhile, Joe is surprised when Kristen Kramer from the Governor's Municipal Logistics Commission drops into the CCPD for a visit. Iris is suspicious and warns her, fire, her father to dig deeper on why Kristen is actually there. Finally, in a plot that no one really has time for, but it took up a significant amount of time anyway, Caitlin and Frost are socially distancing in two different bodies now, and they are arguing <laughs> about how to live their lives. They have been split apart after being hit with Mirror Monarch's reflective powers, which is just fine for Frost, but for some reason not convenient for Caitlin. After heart to heart, they both realize that they're scared, of living apart from each other and decide to live together as roommates, which one would argue should have been obvious conclusion from the beginning. David Werther directed this episode with story by Thomas Pound and teleplay by Lauren Barnett and Christina M. Walker. Joyce, what are they? Go. Um, I think this episode in general was a solid one. Uh, them kind of building, like dropping in little parts of um, the, not force quests, the, uh, Sage, I don't know which one this was. I can't remember. Sage Force Quest. Yes, Force Quest is correct. Oh, thank yeah. you. Okay, yes. <laughs> so I was right. <laughs> I, I like that they're they are dropping in little teasers and that they're sort of really going, you know, moving forward with this whole Speed Force plot, which 
links back to what happened in like two episodes ago. So that's all well and good with me. And I like especially that we get back the manifest, the physical manifestation of the Speed Force Nora coming in and like obviously the Speed Force is being affected, like physically affected to the point where she actually needs Barry's help. And she's coming this way um, because these new metahumans aren't just like regular metahumans. They're out to you know, they or they can't be affected by Barry's powers. And I think that's really interesting because it makes it a unique villain to villains to go up against because like none of them have been connected to Barry's powers in this way before. And now like, how do you fight villains without your speed? If they, <laughs> they have, you know, presence parts of the speed force in them as well. So all of that's really interesting. And I like the fact that, I think somebody pointed out on Twitter too, like Speed Force Nora was like looking directly at Iris when she was mm-hmm. talking the whole time. So mm-hmm. she's only talking to like Barry and Iris. I really I wanted irrelevant. her to like, <laughs> I want like this, it'll be in my no joys, but I didn't like that Iris was absent from the lab so much because right. I felt like all you needed to do was put her right next to Nora and she could have woken up sooner. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I agree with that. Um, but we are getting that next week, so that'll yeah. be fun. Um, and I do like that they're finally giving <laughs> that we finally got Joe and Iris scenes in general, even if they weren't things that I wanted them to talk about. But they were in each other's presence. They were speaking to each other. They were alone in a room. It was beautiful. <laughs> bare minimum things. Um, and I yes, bare minimum things. And I even like you know the fact that even though. You know, obviously, I wanted more of Iris, but the fact that she was still sort of reporting in a way because she had like a gut feeling about Kristen, why Kristen Kramer was there, and she brought it up to her dad, um, and even the fact that, or no, this will go my dislikes. Forget what I just said. Um, so yes, Iris and Joe speaking to each other and having like a side plot where she was still sort of doing some reporting was good. Um, Cecile actually having her powers being utilized in a way that makes complete sense this episode. And I like how they're starting to grow her power. Cause we, we saw that in the, um, you know, season seven premiere with top. And now, you know, she's here, she's scared of her powers, but she's also coming into them as well. Like really harnessing her energy to do something that's going to help the city. And I think they did that really well. They brought back the thinker's chair, which was a really great callback um, in a way to actually help the city in general and actually like fuel um, Barry's fears mind. I don't know. (laughs) Speaking of Barry's mind, I did like that. We saw two different fears for him. So we saw like reverse flash, which is understandable He's very scared of reverse flash and what he's going to do and also Savitar and actually having like that parallel with not just Savitar being the one to like, we know why he's scared of Savitar. He killed Iris, but also like him having being stabbed in the back. I didn't like it, but like the fact that Savitar <laughs> it was got thick fear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and actually it's having like him like feel the same fear. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> having like very feel the same fear that it, iris probably felt in that moment as well was really interesting um and then of course like the very specific fear of iris uh cisco and speed force kind of being dead um i love that this was confirmed these are the most important people to bear and if they die i'm i know he mentioned everybody but it was nice to have that visualization of those three people specifically um if they were gone he would just cease to function really and i like that it was like it was really scary i think psych was a very scary metahuman 
I did not like the mask, but like bringing like the visualization of people freaking out and and having that fear was really uh, terrifying. And even like I'm sure Candace had a great time shooting the scene, like the way that, you know, dead Iris got up. (laughs) (laughs) Very, very uh, Michael Jackson thriller video there. And that was great. I think that whole scene was executed really well. And just. I was mad that we didn't get to see Cisco's fear, but I know it probably means something else. So I'm going to set that aside. Um, and I like that in this instance, we got to see Cisco actually being the one who was giving Barry the traditional pep talk or whatever. Because I don't feel like Barry and Cisco have necessarily been so close in the last couple of seasons. And it's nice that there was a moment with them um, because we don't really get to see a lot of that, especially since like iris is off doing her thing and she can't always be around to (laughs) do such magic (laughs) um what else i don't know i was engaged with the plot it was not really boring i think that they're really setting up for something big in the future and i like that the themes of the the episode kind of all came together i feel like i'm forgetting something but it'll come back to me well, um, I pretty much agree with you. I, I thought that it was a really interesting episode, and I liked the way they utilized Psych. I thought it was a much more interesting use of a Force villain, <laughs> whatever you want to call it, than Fuerza was last week. Um, and I also, I, I, I like how it connected with um, Cecile's uh, powers and how she was then able to be a conduit to that kind of... Um, villain maybe even you know suggesting that she has some connection to the stage force perhaps um so it'd be interesting if we were able to in the future divide up the heroes that we have Mm. to these different forces you know so they would be able to access improvements or whatever you know (laughs) with their respective force the way that barry and his fellow speedsters can with the speed force that should have been under Mm. i know that should have been like a prediction, prediction but i'm sorry that made me i liked it in the moment because i <laughs> that's what i thought of when i saw cecile versus psych i liked how you know it was introduced as a nightmare that then she like couldn't let go of and then we see how those kinds of nightmares might affect different people which was really interesting um i had also not thought like you said cisco lied about camilla i didn't think that it was i thought it was just they hate cisco and they don't want to pay i camilla. have a whole prediction but at first you, I, at first yeah. i thought they hated him but now i have a whole prediction about that <laughs> so I, I, so I like that i like that and i can't definitely your prediction. Lied. yeah <laughs> um but i did like you already mentioned may i loved seeing um barry's fear i like how both it was that he would not be able to stop those kinds of villains right they would come they would end him (laughs) um so we know that barry because you know bravery is facing your fears rather than running away from them so barry constantly has to face the villains that he would otherwise fear um and that's why we love him i guess but then also the the follow-up to that being that the reason that like one of the reasons why it'd be so horrible to lose is because then he would lose the people he loves also, Candace should definitely be in, like, a zombie movie, because she definitely was, like, pulling Train to Busan um, zombie moves in the- <laughs> when she came up and was like, when you when you didn't save me, you killed our children, too, <laughs> which is the cheesiest line ever, and she delivered it with such conviction. You go, Candace. That's why they gave you a raise. So, um, I also love that children, right? So, Tornado Twins, they are not dead. Woohoo! <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, I have a a thing because that could mean a couple different things because we do know Mm -hmm. now that Bart is coming. So 
that'll lead into my prediction. More, more so just like more predictions. Yes, all hold right. on to that. Heather, Remember that. Hold on to that thought. All right, all right. We'll maintain that thought. Um, but yeah, aside from that, I, I, I even liked, I even liked, yeah, bringing out the thinker chair. And speaking of callbacks, uh, Kristen Kramer is uh, Barry's fellow CGI, CSI, sorry, not CGI, CSI <laughs> person. CSI? Yeah, that's I'm what she is. CSI the technician. CGI, you're like, well. <laughs> right. The C- I still think hey, but the they CGI have money now. for the Dominator. Because <laughs> he looked yeah. great. Or so in Joshua Williamson's run, she, she mm-hmm. was introduced, like, at the beginning of Rebirth. And so oh, she's yeah, just basically a fellow. Yeah. She's just a basically a spell CSI. So clearly not at all the same and not all the same personality, except for maybe being the person to notice that Barry sucks at life and pointing <laughs> it out. But, <laughs> so she notices Killer Cross sucks at life here. Maybe that's the maybe that's the connection. But yeah, I'd like it when Joshua Williamson, you know, collects his checks. So you go. <laughs> um yeah, overall I thought it was a good episode. I like the like it feels like very Halloween-y, like it could have it could have happened in October of <laughs> last year, but alas it did not. Um, and it raises it raises many more questions than it answers about what these different forces are and what they mean, which I guess is a good um, start to a season. Like usually by now we would have gotten like two episodes in. We know who the villain is. We know what their motivation is, whatever. And now here it's just like, "Mm, what are these new things popping up? We're still not totally sure what it means. Other than we've got people who want to mess other people up, (laughs) I guess. I also love, I love that Iris had her intuition about Kristen as well. Like, "Mm, this woman is not here for the reason that she says she's, she is. And that she got to speak to Joe about it, as May already (laughs) astutely pointed out. They were in a room together alone. They had a conversation. I will go for a, a step further and say I like that Joe acknowledged that perhaps she was being influenced by what already happened to her with Eva. So I was like, oh, so you do know. Okay, good. Just checking. <laughs> Wasn't sure you were aware or well went down, <laughs> but you have clarified. He read the true. article. Exactly. <laughs> he read the article. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, so I liked that. Um, so yeah, um, I don't have much else to say about it. I thought it was, I thought it was, I thought it was like a, a good, it wasn't like I didn't like it as much as last week, but I still was into it. So, yeah. I like this season overall in general. Like, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Like, I don't want to get too excited about it. But I I feel like I like graphic novel three a lot more than one and two. So, moving onwards and upwards, Eric. Let's keep going. Um, I like the, the introduction of the different forces. And we had the strength force, obviously, last week. And now we have the... Um, stage force this week and they already confirmed that we'll see the still force in next week's episode so we'll get to see all the forces and once they're all introduced we'll get to see how they interact and obviously they might not all mesh well together because they're doing damage to speed force nora which i was really surprised and like pleasantly surprised to see her because i thought you know isometric geotopes and like the whole lightning storm like is Forza coming down from there? Or was it like Forza's like normal body? So to see it be Nora uh, was really, really surprising. And I like the way that they talked about Nora being like a goddess and like how Cisco described it. It's like, you know, it's Zeus coming down from Olympus and he's like near these mere mortals. And because um, like Nora is like an other it's not his mom and you know like we've never seen the speed force materialize in you know the mortal world as a person so it's just kind of cool having her on earth with and interacting with um not Barry 
Um, so that like that whole concept of her coming down was really cool. Um, I like the directing visuals on Psych. I liked. Um, I thought it made it like really like appropriately like scary. You getting all these like cuts, focus in on his face, or you know things are like glitching and all this kind of stuff. Um, so it's like really really scary and um, like a good effect on what he's saying. Because I didn't think like. When you look at, you know, behind the scenes photos, it's like, he's like, who is this? Um, but he he did come off well, like, on screen, which is kind of good. Um, I liked the whole, you know, exploration of the fears. And I think it was a good use of Cecile's powers that, you know, this is someone that works with hallucinations and mind games. And that's in Cecile's wheelhouse. So it's a good way to kind of tie her into helping Barry um save the city and it was like like you said it was a good callback to the thinker's chair um i liked that i don't want to i don't want to explain too much because i'm going to get into this big ass prediction like i'm saving like a lot of my stuff for this huge ass prediction (laughs) for a reason why i like this like stories um so much but um i liked i thought it was a stretch that Iris is like, you know, the only people that say that, I've only heard that one other time, if you're um, on time, you're late, and, you know, you have to be early and, and that late, because that's, like, the easiest, like, military noticeable phrase. I don't know if it's just because my family was in the military, and so that's something that I grew up hearing. It was a stretch, but I like that, you know, regardless of what the hint was, I like that she caught on to the fact that Kristen Kramer was not who she said she was going to be. And then she did some investigation afterwards. So she followed up on it and was like, Joe, read it. <laughs> Since you like to read, <laughs> read this paper and ask her what she's doing here. <laughs> um, I like that um, it's, it's, I don't know if I like it, but it's interesting that, Frost is I haven't I'm not I have a prediction about that too. I will say for the Frost Caitlin plot of it that I was team Frost because you know I think like she was on the side of logic and <laughs> we we're already broke so why fix it kind of thing. Um I know, like her emotions made sense. Like I don't want yeah. to go back to that. I want to I don't know why people didn't <laughs> ask her like if no one logically said you know what do you want frost right no one asked her um so team frost (laughs) on that front and i did think that danielle did um a good job i thought the heart heart lasted way too long but i think she did a good job when she was playing against herself yeah so yeah that was good um overall i just really enjoyed the episode and i really enjoyed the start of ever since we hit the true season seven i felt like they've had really solid episodes back to back to back so what did not spark joy? The second half of the Frost argument. I too <laughs> was Team Frost. And I don't understand why Caitlin needed her back in her body or whatever <laughs> the hell that was. was. You know, the, the split makes sense. Like, <laughs> if you had established you are two separate personalities as you did starting in like season four or whatever mm-hmm. then there it makes no sense that you would want to keep this separate person from living their own life because separate like last life. yeah like last season you were arguing about how to live your life in the same body but now that's no longer an issue so like why are we sitting here arguing about it <laughs> it should be like a great thing caitlin should feel free to finally have frost outside 
you know, as a per- her own person doing whatever she needs to do because then she can actually be around as herself more often and she doesn't have to cater to Frost and Frost can live her own life, especially now that she's learned to have feelings and understand them. <laughs> so, like, she's come a long way, you know, let her be. So I didn't get the Caitlyn aspect of it because Frost's not wanting to go back was understandable from the jump. Like, we get it. I wouldn't want to go back either. So that whole argument back and forth and the fact that we spent like all episode on it was a little bit frustrating because it was like very clear from the beginning what and, why and the, and not this is, like the the name drop of this is us i'm like okay <laughs> this is yeah, also yeah I, I thought that was <laughs> too much too like at first i was like oh this is funny and then they just kept bringing it up i'm like okay the jo- the joke's over <laughs> um so yeah I didn't, I didn't like that and i just it's just weird to me i guess that like i said you know joe and iris did share a scene but Kristen Kramer is the one who asked about Iris being in the Mirrorverse. Like, come on, Joe. <laughs> Where are you? Um, that your daughter is like sitting there. I'm still mad that they didn't have a scene where he's actually concerned for her, asking about her well-being. So that's frustrating because it's been so long since they've actually gotten to share a scene because she's been in the mirror that he doesn't actually have that conversation with her now that she's out of it especially now in this episode where they were both paired up together so that was irritating and i didn't like that they didn't show cisco's fear at first but i understood why because as soon as he like said it was about camilla i'm like i will let it go because i know that there might be something there (laughs) it's not about camilla it's not about camilla right now yeah, it wasn't because so, they didn't want to pay Victoria Park to come. It's because yeah. it's not about her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I at first I was just about to be like, wait, how could they not show you know Cisco's uh, fear? But you know I understand. <laughs> um, what I think it was like my primary ones. I feel like they could probably do a little bit more explaining with regards to like where all the other characters just drop off because it's like. Camilla has been out of the mirror for a couple episodes now and we still haven't seen her and Allegra wasn't there either and neither is Chester. So it's like, I don't know. I feel like there's, there's a lot of people and I get that it takes, there needs to be balance, but it it is frustrating that like these people are around, but they just kind of just disappear whenever the plot needs them to disappear or they don't want to pay them or whatever. And also not enough Iris. Like we had such a great episode for her last week. This week, it's just her and Joe talking about Kristen Kramer, and I feel like we could have gotten more of her, like you said, in the lab, or talking to other team members, or investigating another story. Instead of a five-minute Frost-Caitlin scene. Right, exactly. So I feel like you're just watching. You're like, I don't see Iris enough on my screen, and this is an issue. So hopefully that will be that will be different next week, but in this episode, there could still be more of her because of the fact that she did have a few scenes with Joe and those scenes could have been elevated by her doing work at the citizen or I don't know, figuring out how she's going to make it bigger. (laughs) Like she said last week. And I feel like there, because Cecile and Barry got to have heart to hearts. That's why I wanted to see like Joe and Iris have those heart to hearts too. So because, you know, for the parallels, but alas, Mm -hmm. Yes, I would have also loved to have seen uh, Barry and Iris have some real heart-to-hearts. Um, Barry and Iris, Joe and Iris, Joe and, and Iris. for Joe to actually ask and care about what <laughs> Iris was going through. 
Um, not to mention that Joe, it's just, I feel I've already said this, but it's like, it's so weird to me how like far removed Joe is from the center of the show now. Like mm-hmm. he wasn't in the nightmare of Barry's <laughs> people that die. So I guess he's like, yeah, it's all right. Joe's old. He'll die for all soon, I guess. Cause like, <laughs> he's what? He's been knocked out uh, of the top. Exactly. He's he knocked out of the top, top three. three. <laughs> Speed Force Nora took his spot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was so weird. And then the fact that we got so much Cecile and Barry, which I totally understand because it was related to her plot, but like Joe couldn't even be there as part of that. Like it was Cecile giving Barry the the pep talk. That's how far down (laughs) Joe is not even needed for pep talks anymore. Um, Was super weird. Um, But yeah, mostly, you know, more so I'm not as concerned about Joe as I am about, you know, I would have liked some more Iris. I would have liked a little bit of Iris in the lab or, you know, a little bit of Iris following up on whatever the big thing she was going to do was. And we literally left off with her last week being like, no, I have to do more than write this article. And more will be off screen. We will not learn what it is. We will not discuss it. Um, so that was a little bit unnecessary. And I agree that it's weird that Allegra and Chester were just gone now because spaces were filled, I guess. Um, so I don't know. It makes, it makes me feel like we really do need to diversify locations right like have running plot lines i think that season five maybe no actually maybe it was season six maybe it was season six at some point eric was doing a good job of being like this is what's happening at ccpd this is what's happening at um central city news this is what's happening at our labs and now it kind of feels like we're sort of like merging back and i don't necessarily want to merge back i do think yeah. this you know it's probably covid related but... that's true that's true to our frost, we don't want to merge back to the room. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. And speaking of speaking of frost, uh, it doesn't make any sense. It's so it's so weird that anyone would think Frost was excited to just go back in Caitlin. Like why would <laughs> hey, why would Caitlin even want that? Wouldn't she like to be separate from Frost? Why would she want to like timeshare her life? And it was strange that especially like I would understand if it was literally like, oh, we have to do it. Otherwise, Frost is going to, like, you know, run out of energy and die or whatever. But they didn't suggest anything like that. It was just like, okay, mm-hmm. well, no worries. We'll fix it. And Frost is like, uh. Like, why do we need to fix it? <laughs> exactly. It would seem pretty clear that she was not interested in that. And I don't know why it would ever be a question of it, you know. Like, I think it would have made, this episode would have been more fun if. One of them were dying or both of them were dying. No. And there's like a race. <laughs> To Rude. put them back together. Rude. No. <laughs> it would have made sense, though. Yes, it would have made sense. But I think <laughs> that Kristen Kramer looking for Frost is going to be the reason why they're going to have to merge back together. Oh, in order to, like, protect Caitlyn or whatever. Like, oh, Caitlyn can't go to jail because Caitlyn didn't do anything. That kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? Um, but... So, so that's taken care of. If she's like an accomplice, so listen, she had no she, whatever. Where do it? I'm not even going to debate the law, the logistics, and the law of. of I Cecile would probably have a fun time defending that one. Yes, <laughs> that would be fun. That that'll actually be kind of fun to watch Cecile defending uh, Kate Frost. But what I was going to say is, it would have been more fun. I think is if they were just thrilled about the idea of being separate, and we got to see them actually like having fun, you know, with both of them. And maybe annoying, like, because Cisco implies that it's going to be even more annoying or whatever. Like, oh, God, um, that kind of thing. Um, actually see that play out rather than, okay, let's merge. Oh, no, let's be roommates. Oh, no, wait. Now Frost has to be on the run or Frost is going to go to trial or whatever it is. Kind of thing. Predictions. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, anyway, that's all. Go on. Oh, wait. No, like, still sucks. Mm-hmm. And the name Portal sucks. And Cisco, they didn't even let Cisco pronounce Portal right. Okay. Now I'm done. <laughs> Um, 
Yeah. I think the I have a couple of kind of big ones, but obviously like the like the whole to put them back together and not to put them back together, Frost, Caitlin, Plot, which is dumb. Um, because like you guys said, like I don't know, there was no impetus to put them back together immediately in the first place, or why no one else brought up that like what was wrong with y'all being two different people? Because we spent all season five exploring Frost and what she's like as a real person, and now she is a real person. It's kind of like them saying, well, you're not actually a real person, so you need to go back into Caitlyn. Um, so it kind of was like not really taking Frost's feelings into account. And I thought it was kind of selfish of Caitlyn just to be like, oh, we're doing this, and not really having a conversation about it. Because I feel like if they had a conversation about it in the beginning, we wouldn't have to waste you know, an extra 10 minutes or whatever on a plot that was just stupid. <laughs> You know, um, like I said, like, neither of them are dying. So why are we spending this energy on trying to put them back together instead of focusing on um, Psych or focusing on, you know, Chris and Kramer or all these other things that we could have been doing and we were wasting time with a conversation that should have been like a one conversation in the beginning and, and not drawn out this much. Um <laughs> and I did I did put in my joys. I thought Daniel's acting was not half bad. But then there like there's a scene <laughs> when he actually saw like her fear and Frost was having that vision and Joe was confronting. He's like, Who told you? And I was like, Oh crap, I spoke too soon. So that was not the best. Um and then I feel the other big one, I think, I guess there's three big things, because there's that plot. And then Cecile, um, while I think it was a good use of her power, sometimes I do feel like she is a little bit too exaggerated. And I thought it was, you know, and she and Barry are having these heart-to-hearts um, because Iris and Joe were otherwise occupied, I guess. But I thought it was weird that they had this whole pep talk about, you know, nightmares are scary and you have to have courage and all this kind of stuff. And then when Barry was like, okay, let's put this courage into action and go and, and get psyched she's like oh my god barry i'm so scared i can't do it i'm like cecile you just said that having courage is a good thing and we should be courageous and now it's time for you to be courageous and you're like i don't want to do it but you're the only one that can do it <laughs> so you know so i thought that was like weird writing um and then the third thing was that you know obviously there's never enough iris but specifically i wish she would have had her in around more in the speed lab or near Nora, because if they're not going to do it immediately until the, like, more concretely until the next episode, I would at least like to have, like, a little bit of hints or near misses or something that was be hinting um, more than just at the end when Nora comes out and she's, like, talking to Iris and everybody else in the room. Um, but she's, like, looking at Iris. That would have been, you know, some more build up there. And then the fact that... Um, you know, just like the the small one at CCP, and then we don't really see her. I like that she went and investigated and brought it back to Joe, but we didn't really get to expand on that because we spent so much time. Um, I thought I also thought the Cecile Berry heart to heart was like long as fuck. So that one and the Caitlyn, these really long, you know, stretched out scenes when we could have been doing something else. Um, yep. Those, I think, were the big hot button issues for me. But what did the public have to say? May the public has many, many thoughts. Oh gosh. Um, we'll start with <laughs> we'll start with Anita. It says, 
<laughs> a word of caution for anyone who has yet to stream Fear Me. Don't do it in the dark alone and with your earphones turned up because the <laughs> sights and sounds will freak you out. <laughs> uh, and she thinks it was supposed to probably be a Halloween episode had this season started in October. And I think it would have made a good one. Um, I love, love, love Barry being in total charge from getting ahead of tracking Fuerza to being the, and I'm sorry if I mispronounced that, to being the main idea solving um all the episode's problems. Eric has heard <laughs> heard us, please. <laughs> Iris with a hunch that ties into a future plot. Yes, please. And for the first time ever, Barry's guns are bigger than his wife's. I see you, Barry, now that Oliver's <laughs> gone stepping that. up with the pecs and abs to be the crush that Iris needs, shitting on you other husbands. <laughs> I was like, you took so long to put that shirt back on. <laughs> I know. She wasn't even in the room, though. I mean, no. big Wasted fail. Effort, Barry. <laughs> Now that the Speed Force literally dropped in on Team Flash, does that mean we'll have Speed Force and Barry teaming up, teaming up to fight Forza? Hmm, possibly. Among the dislikes, they keep having Cecile pump for Joe. Why was Cecile just strolling by Star Labs for the requisite heart-to-heart with Barry? And when is Joe going to discuss his favorite child's latest trauma to keep her steady on her feet? <laughs> Cisco being in Barry's in-ear quarterback instead of Iris was new, but I guess she has to go round up investors to buy out a small TV station or something. <laughs> Thank you, Anita. Your, your feedback will be up on the Tumblr. Then we have, let's see who else sent flash feedback. Sonia's flash feedback was, this episode reminded me of the episode of Smallville where there was a fear toxin. Actually, what's interesting is in the Smallville episode, Chloe saw herself in a straight jacket just like Cecile saw uh, except for Chloe, it was because her fear was becoming like her mother, who was a mental patient, and Cecile was just her fear of her power. So I don't know where there, w- why there was a straitjacket in the first place, but it was scary as fuck, so I guess it worked. I can't believe the show missed the opportunity to have Joe say, it's a miracle that your hysterical screaming didn't wake up Jenna and actually mention Cecile's daughter. <laughs> the forgotten child, the true forgotten child. I uh, love that Iris There's and Joe... picture, though. Yeah, one true. picture in their house. To remind us that she does still exist somewhere in the universe. I mean, honestly, they could have just had Crisis erase her and no one would have noticed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Love that Iris and Joe finally got a scene together, but to have no mention from Joe about her well-being or how she, he's so grateful she's okay was weird. But I did, love Iris's, I did love Iris's reporter hat coming on, both with the story about the guard and with the sketchy lady from the governor's office. Uh, nice Batwoman call out from the Crow security truck. I, yes, noticed that too. Um, it was amazing to see callbacks to all of those old villains and Barry's fear vision and also loved Too his bad second they don't know the crow suck. I know. <laughs> They're corrupt. <laughs> and also loved his second fear vision where it showed his fear of not having a family with Iris because it's a great callback to when Ramsey showed Barry that his greatest desire was having a family with Iris. Oh. I wish we could have actually seen Cisco's fear vision, but as he mentioned, it had to do with Camilla. I guess they didn't want to pay Victoria Park. No, girl. Predictions, Mm-mm. predictions. Mm-mm-mm. I love Cecile giving Barry that pep talk and her saying that she asks herself what the Flash would do when she gets scared. Nice to see her in a motherly, motherly role to Barry. I, also, I thought it was hilarious when Cecile was all, oh my god, you're insane. This death machine <laughs> made someone into a little literal supervillain. Why am I sitting in this? But I'm glad that her powers ended up helping Barry save the day and that she didn't die or turn evil by being in the chair excited for the next episode to see what speed force Nora meant what she said when she said Forza and psych are like her so she's the speed force and there are other forces in the universe dun 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 thank you so much Sonia for your feedback moving on to Paulina who has bullet point uh, thoughts uh, she says, first of all, Jordan Fisher as Bart Allen is just chef's kiss the casting for the West Allen uh, children has been so so on point 
Agreed. Um, this week, the show introduced the Sage Force without saying it outright. Technically, they didn't say Strength Force when they introduced Forza, but it was way more obvious that they were the Strength Force. Psych was cool if you ignore the Party City mask. <laughs> <laughs> this worst fear stuff is fine, but it's going to become tedious when he keeps showing up and people keep clutching their heads because he's showing them nightmares. Cisco's lying about his worst fear. There's no way it's about Camilla. There's a reason they didn't show it, and it's because it has to do with his powers that he no longer has and all this Mecha vibe stuff. Hmm. They didn't show us his fear, not because they didn't want to cut Victoria check, but because the secrecy surrounding his fear is related to his emotional arc this season. Love that. And Iris and Joe know each other. How amazing. <laughs> Joe still apparently doesn't seem to care that his daughter was psychologically tortured in the Mirrorverse. It's sad when Kristen Kramer has more to say about Iris's time there than Joe. Um, I did like Iris investigating Kristen Kramer and following her gut instincts. We love a star reporter. Also, Barry using that brain of his and leading all, and all that good stuff was great to see. My man is also super powerful because of that Iris spark. He heals even faster these days. So all that's left to say is Star Labs support staff. You are toast. <laughs> <laughs> I could have done without the show employing grotesque imagery of a back from the dead Iris. There was no need. Candace probably had a lot of fun with the horror type stuff. So at least there's that. Our children. That's a twins tease. I think Iris is going to be pregnant soonish. And I can't wait for West Allen babies. I'm looking forward to Iris and Speed Force Nora bonding together. Also, because Barry is in a healing coma, Iris probably will do some investigating of the forces and then relay that back to him. And I'm excited for Force Quest. Too bad we have to break from this arc for a couple of episodes after next week's episode to deal with Chill Blaine and Frost, which I can guarantee I do not care about at all. (laughs) (laughs) She's considering that hiatus. (laughs) (laughs) indeed and then finally we have Suaro who says the flash this week was overall okay I didn't really care for psycho 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 is a villain psych and the plot of making everyone see their worst fears was eh to me I did like that ripoff Elsa's worst fear was going to jail for once we had something realistic with her character I realized that the showrunners realized that for Danielle to shine she had to act against an actor just as terrible (laughs) which was herself ouch oh my god (laughs) But not sure it succeeded as much as they hoped. Hey, I think she did all right. She did do all right. <laughs> like better than other scenes that she has been in <laughs> when it's an emotional moment. Um, there wasn't enough Iris in this episode, though I did like the seeds they planted. On the other plus side, No Wells also was intrigued by the new Speed Force. So we'll see where that goes next week, I guess. Uh, okay. And that, that's that for Flash. Thank you all. Okay, give me your inferior predictions first. I don't have any because yours are superior. I, I'm just holding off on yours. Yeah, I, just want, I already gave mine by accident. We've been so waiting. Give on. it to us, Jessica. Yeah. So I think that there is more to do with those fear hallucinations than just at face value. Because I thought, like, in the beginning when we were going through the episode, I thought it was, like, really interesting that it was Nora, Cisco, and Iris. And I was like, I was waiting for the camera to pan to like a, a frost splayed out somewhere, but she didn't show up. So I was like, yes. And then, um, you know, obviously with like Cisco and his fear not being shown um, at first, I was like really annoyed. It's like, oh, you know, this is how much they really value his character that he doesn't get to see his fear. His fear. We just hear him be like, this, this can't be how it ends. That's all he says. But when he lied and said his his fear was about Camilla, I started thinking, you know, this is a really specific fear that Barry had in CCPD, these three specific people, and CCPD is destroyed. And now I'm thinking that Cisco had a similar vision to Barry of him, Nora, and Iris, and CCPD it being destroyed. 
And maybe Barry had something to do with it. Because when they asked, like, well, what is your fears? Like, he was like, he didn't want to talk about his. But he's like, tell us about your fear, Barry. And is there any hints to that or any clues? So I feel like he was trying to get Barry to say what he saw. So Cisco could confirm if it was what he saw in his vision or not. So I, And I feel like because that hallucination was so specific and because Frost, her hallucination, will be relevant in the next episode because – and it was relevant in this episode because Kristen Kramer is out to get her. And next episode, we will see that play out, that someone will be framing her for stuff that she committed. And I think what's also interesting – side prediction into frost is that she thought that she was getting arrested for crimes that she actually did but we know in the next episode it's going to be for crimes that she didn't do so you know obviously this chill blank guy has been doing crimes and saying that like in Frost's name or making them look like she did it so her fear is going to come true in the next episode so if we go back to Barry's fear and hallucination, there is a possibility that it's not just the hallucination that's that Psyche sent him, but also there could be hints at a storyline that is coming. Pause. The photos are out for the next episode, May. Oh, okay. That there's going to be some, this is a possible storyline. And then also like in the dream, in his second vision of that halluc- same hallucination, Iris was saying that, you know, you killed our children. And so that could be easily, you know, tornado twins are the kids mm-hmm. that she's referring to, which mm-hmm. would have been fine. And we also got the announcement that we're going to get Bart Allen soon. So that's another confirmation. But I think I'm not so I'm not so on it being tornado twins yet. I feel like, you know, him maybe not doing enough was the reason why Nora died. So that's one child. And this the children, the pearl could come in that she's hinting at Bart coming in down the line and whatever happens that kills her, kills her before he's born. So that's why she said children. Nora was one. We didn't save her. And now I'm going to die before we can have Bart. So now you kill both our children. So I feel like that's where they're going with it at the moment. But I still feel like in the ultimate, they're going to. Nora is going to be. No, I, I still think. to be a tornado twin in general. I, I think right now, I think it's like a. A, a baby like Sarah Diggle, like she was a girl before right. Crisis, and she's a son afterwards. I think like oh, it was Nora at first, and now it's Bart and not Nora. I hate to but, say it, but I don't. I think that's what they're doing. But I also feel like we'll have something like timey wimey, whatever stuff, and we're still gonna end up with the Tornado Twins at the end. So I still think they're gonna end that way. But I think initially when Bart shows up, he's gonna be Nora. Like, it was Nora, but now it's Bart. We had a daughter, but now time changed and we have a son. Uh, what was it Eric said? This was, like, right before season six, I think. Because people kept asking him about the diapers line from season four. That mm-hmm. is like the one payoff we haven't gotten. And he's like, oh, I mean, you know, everything will be paid off. But not he, he not in season six. Definitely not in season six. So, still rooting for it. But that's, yeah. that's the good prediction that like the CCPD thing will come into play. Because it's so specific. And, and like like you guys mentioned, Joe's not there. Mm-hmm. And if we're talking about like top tier people that he would hate to lose, like Joe should have been there in that thing, but he wasn't. So I feel like it's an actual thing that's going to happen that's being hinted at. And something that Cisco is also afraid of happening. 
and whether it has to do with Barry or not. Because he says this, this can't be how it ends. I feel like it has something to do with Barry. Um, and I think that's it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I remember. I was going to say, um, you had one more, right? Because you had another prediction. Wife, it's because I, I did the Barry's hallucination and also went into my reason why Cisco was lying. And because I think he saw the same thing that Barry saw from a different perspective. And so he's trying to like see what Barry saw and if that is something that's going to come true. And then I also feel like I just did the Frost thing. And then if Frost is coming true, we know that. And if Barry's and Cisco's visions are actually going to come true somewhere down the line, then what does that mean for Cecile seeing someone in a straight jacket that she was really afraid of? And who is that person? Is it her? Is it somebody else? So, but uh, yeah, I think those were like the main things that were all running together, and like the children, tornado twins, and all that kind of stuff. I like it. I like it. Tati. Yes, my dear. I love your theories, and I have none to add of my own. None to add. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So I guess we are ready to finally move into Supergirl, um, which I do not have a long drawn out <laughs> recap for. But as Brainiac um, lays close to death, after trying to stop Lex, Supergirl and team soar in to save him from magnetic Barbie. You know that Barbie that's like in Toy Story with all of her hair like chopped <laughs> off? That's what yes. she looks like. Um, and <laughs> it, it wasn't an epic battle um, recap person. Epic battle with Gamine. <laughs> after being Leviathan, Supergirl turns her attention to Lex who has used Obsidian Platform to brainwash half the world to love him and follow him at all costs, no matter what horrible things he does. Lex has also become a lot more dangerous because he's taken Leviathan's powers and made himself a, I don't want to call him Superman, but like a, what, Luther Man. Luther Man. He is now Luther Man and has all the powers of a Kryptonian and several other gods. Um, knowing how dangerous this makes her brother, Lena enlists the entire team Alex, John, Dreamer, Kelly, and Brainiac. Kelly, who does not know who Supergirl is, by the way, to help. But Supergirl realizes that the only way to truly stop Lex is to sacrifice herself or pretend to until everybody else can destroy the satellites and find the Javimporium that will be Lex's kryptonite. Jesse Warren directed, oh, well, you know, obviously they succeed, but at the last minute, Kara gets shipped off to the Phantom Zone, and no one knows how to get her out. Jesse Warren directed the episode with story by Robert Rovner and Jessica Queller, teleplay by Jay Farber and Jess Cardos. What brought joy to this season premiere? Uh, Well, I can say that uh, (laughs) Brainy and Nia brought me joy, if no one else. If Brainy and Nia have one fan, that fan is me. Um, (laughs) So I'm glad that they feel like they're like getting on the same page now. You know, they've, you know, uh, cemented their true love better. Also, speaking of um, true love, uh, John and Magan was really cute, like with him acting like mind melding was like he's about to get laid for the first time (laughs) in his life. Uh, (laughs) All the all the build up for that uh, was quite adorable. Um, Also liked um, John acting, you know, being the father figure that Alex needs in this world and Alex being such a great sister to Kara throughout the episode. 
Also, just the concept of sending Kara back to the Phantom Zone for the final season, or at least for the start of the final season, I think is a really great way to come full circle because that's where she started, right? Her origin was that she was trapped in the Phantom Zone before she came to uh, the world. (laughs) Um, And so now we're going to see her kind of like face the fears that we've only really heard about throughout the show. Uh, Also, it's a great way to work around Melissa's pregnancy. So good job, everyone. Applause. Uh, also, um, I I like how, you know, because I think Supergirl has done a really great job of making the team feel so united and, like, they really have each other's backs and, like, they really are a cohesive, um, not codependent, but, like, interdependent unit, right? Everyone needs each other. Everyone has, like, their role to play. And so if Kara's not there or if Supergirl's not there, how are these other heroes going to stand on their own? They have to prove their own metal, have to prove... It's like it's like proof of how important Supergirl is to to National City because we don't have Supergirl, and then how is everyone else going to fill that gap and also prove themselves? And hopefully, this will um, sort of test or reinterpret certain relationships with Kara herself. There aren't very many people left who don't know that Kara is Supergirl, but uh, William is one of them, and so maybe he'll finally have something to do now that he thinks that Kara just, like, ditched him. I thought it was so funny that he's like, she would have called me. Like, would she? <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy, he looks so forlorn. He I felt so, so bad for him. He still has yeah. feelings. <laughs> yeah, I was so, I felt so bad for him. Uh, anyway, I-, I loved the I Love Lexi upgrade. I thought that was hilarious. Um, just Lex was <laughs> insane this episode and on fire. And I just loved that Lillian, like even Lillian was like, oh my God, what have, <laughs> what have I given birth to? <laughs> my son is ridiculous. And I also liked that she put her foot down about Lena, right? Where she was like, no, you will be saving Lena or else <laughs> you will also lose me. Um, mommy dearest to the rescue. Also the whole, we are the champions montage was hilarious. Um, oh yeah. And not to mention when, um, Lena punched Lex in the face. Perfect. A plus things. Um, also, I really liked the uh, Kelly and Andrea scene when Andrea was like freaking out about losing all her shares or whatever, the company going bankrupt. And Kelly was like there for her and was like, you know, hey, pep talk time. Uh, Kelly's just a really nice person. Uh, and then Andrea had the brilliant plan of buying all of her own shares with her father. Like, <laughs> Making her father buy all her shares. That was awesome. (laughs) And then being like, okay, I guess I'm going to take care of Catco now. (laughs) I thought that was great. I feel like I don't really remember anything about her dad. Because, like, the last thing I remember is when she was, like, basically, literally she sold her soul to the devil to save her dad. So I'm like, so your dad sucks, actually? I I don't remember. But whatever, you know. I believe that her dad sucks. And this was a burn. (laughs) So, cool. Um, I think, like, she's always tried to, like prove herself to him and he was not having it for a long time and then she finally did and then then she failed and he's like see i knew you sucked and she's like well you know what i guess you can buy all these shares back then since it's your company <laughs> exactly <laughs> um also i did love the super core of the episode i loved Kara putting her trust in lena you know to handle the situation and to use myriad and lena being like after everything you still trust me and Kara's like yes i'll always <laughs> trust you that was beautiful. Um, so yeah, I, I I liked I liked the weight of that. Um, I think all the like a lot of the relationship stuff in this episode worked really well, and I look forward to I like what it has set up for the rest of the season. There you go. I agree. I really liked 
um, Jean and Alex's conversation in particular because, you know, they have, he has always been there for her. She's always been there for him. They have a very father-daughter type of relationship more than <laughs> her own father. Um, and I really like the fact that he was the one to kind of tell her, like, she is perfectly capable as a hero even though she's not her sister but she's just as strong as her sister um that he didn't like diminish her abilities in any way and that he sort of like made her an an official member of the justice league i guess because he's like this is sentinel this is your symbol now and you must take it um so that was kind of nice of him to pass on and it also kind of like brings his martian heritage to by giving like this to Alex he's giving her a piece of his Martian heritage as well and I think that's really heartwarming because of their relationship um obviously I liked all the uh, Lena and Kara stuff too because I think that it wasn't so overdone because we did have like those big moments for them in the season uh, five finale but now it's sort of little little hints here and there and it was nice that like Lena had a backup you know an actual machine that would light Kara and <laughs> get rid of the kryptonite which is really clever and the whole trust issues are now like Lena's not so sure but Kara's like yeah I believe in you you got this and she's like this is perfect so that I feel like they're finally on the same page again and I really like the fact that Lena you know I guess in return for Kara trusting her also had the intelligence to use Myriad again to erase Kara's identity from it Lex was a little and her bit mom. Gray, but she did use it for the right. It reasons. was, but <laughs> she did use it for the right reasons. Yeah, because now we don't have to worry about the rest of Kara's friends and family like being a target of Lex because mm-hmm. she's in the Phantom Zone. So I thought that was really nice um, of her to do, using her powers for good. Go for you, Lena. <laughs> I did like, you know just Lex being the diabolical person that he is because to me Leviathan honestly meant nothing as villains and Lex was the true mastermind of this, this whole thing. This is the second thing. season in a row where that's yeah. been the case. It has been but like this episode like Tati said he really was just firing on all cylinders. <laughs> he was just doing the most and I like Lex when he's like this because he just gets like John Carr just gets he's very dramatic you know it looks like he's waving wands he's making fire I don't know what he's doing but he's just going all out and it's just really exciting to watch him in this type of state <laughs> because he thinks he's finally going to win and the fact that he was going to kill off half the people because they weren't going to I love Lexi him it's, he's so ridiculous. It's, it's, it's ridiculous, funny. but it's so funny. You're like, what? <laughs> it's like if somebody just got on Instagram and was like, if you didn't like my post, I'm going to kill you now. <laughs> and that's exactly what he was trying to do. And it is it is ridiculous. And it's wild, but it's perfectly Lex, too, because that is just how he functions. Um, so that was really like he was just a fun villain this episode. And I really like that. I really enjoyed too the Brainy and Nia stuff. So I'm I'm Team Tati here. Sorry. <laughs> um, because we're well, apologizing to you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the one ship we're really different on. Um, but I did like the fact that Nia, you know, they spoke and I think while I think he was like let off the hook a little bit too easily, it was nice that they actually did have a heart to heart. And he was like, look, I don't need you to protect me. I am a strong woman. I'm capable. Like she has power. She doesn't really need him to do anything for her like that. So it was nice that she was kind of putting her foot down and letting him know that that was the case because that whole I'm doing this to protect you excuse is kind of 
not working in the superhero genre anymore. And I like that he was called out for his actions for that. Especially but also when that supposed he supposed to be on the same team. Right, exactly. Supposed to be like, you know, on the same team, equal players on that team. So that just doesn't really make sense because she's like in danger all the time. So, you know, who are you protecting her from, really? Yeah, exactly. Like protecting yourself but he he owns up to it and at least he like he's trying i think he's going to like try to atone for his sins um and like the use not that this was a like but i thought it was funny to watch supergirl use the anti-life equation again after having just watched justice league use the anti-life equation so i was like oh. right, right. <laughs> this is fun um you know they use it completely differently <laughs> but the fact that like that they got rid of Leviathan so quickly because I did not like Leviathan at all. So I'm like, oh, good riddance. We got we did that in the first five minutes of the episode. We can move on to bigger and better things. So all of that stuff was nice. Um, well, the plot was okay. Like it was just the character relationships this episode because there was a lot going on. But the fact that there were moments where all of the characters kind of had their time to shine. They had heart to hearts. They were evolving in their own relationships with each other was really great. And I did like the fact that they sent Kara to the Phantom Zone, you know, because, like, the synopsis was, like, is going to sacrifice her life. I'm like, oh, no. But she doesn't sacrifice her, or she tries to, but then she gets sent away anyway. So I, I did think it was, like, clever, like you said, Tati, to give her her own thing while having, like, Melissa be able to come back and shoot those scenes much later on than the rest of the cast. So she's, like, still on the show, but she's siloed <laughs> away. Um... And I thought that was really clever. And also, like, the Phantom Zone. Because we haven't really seen much of it on Supergirl. And I like that they finally brought it in. And are seem to be giving um, Kara, like, a meaty storyline where she is on her own. And maybe it'll finally give, like, her actual character development. And we'll actually see, like, what it is she's thinking and all that stuff. Because I feel like that's long overdue. Yeah, I feel like, um, for me, the biggest part of the episode that brought joy where those character relationships, like you guys are saying, um, obviously like Kara and Lena getting back on the same page and, you know, (laughs) the whole like Lena's like, you trust me to do this. He's like, I, the only person I would trust to do this is you. And you like that whole like connection. I don't think like Kara was actually like, like I'm going to let Lex kill me and I'm going to die. Cause I think she always knew part of that, you know, her trusting in Lena is that she, and she trusted her team essentially to be able to do what they needed to do before she actually died. So I like right. that they had the plan B of like the, the suit to keep her, um, the radiation, like to, to pull out the kryptonite poisoning once he left. Um, and I think the little, little baby drone with like the yellow sunlight to give her energy, like all of those are like little things, like little touches that Lena is doing for Kara. Um, and, you know, the fact that Kara trusted her with Myriad and, um, and, and knowing that she did go to the Phantom Zone at the end of this episode, it was nice to have them, their friendship back and not back on the same page necessarily because she um, mentioned to Alex that they're working on it because Alex is like, yay, you are back together. And she's like, yeah, we're getting there. You know, so it's, it's a nice acknowledgement of everything that they went through and moving forward. It's not going to really be glossed over, but they're going to eventually, hopefully, get stronger from it. Um, I also liked, again, like what you mentioned earlier about her using Myriad on Lex because it's going to be my dislike that, you know, 
Lex is like, I will tell people Supergirl and and they can't touch him for that. Or like the one just like wants to take out some frustration a little bit on it. So um I do like that. It 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 does put her back in the a little bit of the gray area just because she wasn't supposed to she was supposed to use Myriad for this one thing and not for this thing, but the ultimate outcome of it is it is that the team is much safer because Lillian and Lex cannot use it against any of the teams. So I really like that. Um, I don't know why y'all are apologizing to me for liking Brainia. Um, <laughs> I will say, I think that this episode did more for that ship. Um, I think they had either one or two heart to hearts. I can't remember, but it did more for me to develop their relationship and get them on the same page. than they've done for that relationship in the past two seasons, because it always felt like lopsided to me. And like we were saying earlier, um, made I feel like, you know, you know him saying that he's doing this to protect Nia, but Nia is someone in her own right. And they're supposed to be team members on the same team. They're supposed to be partners. Um, so, you know, him unilaterally deciding something without her was not great. And I like that she said that and she, like, you know, put up a um, condition of their relationship. If we are going to be together, then I need you to be honest with me and hopefully – you know, he has learned his lesson and will be honest because um, I feel like now they're kind of finally on the same level. And I feel like that is much healthier than what has been going on in their story for the past two seasons. Um, so hopefully that sticks moving forward. Um, and then I liked that um Andrea got back at her dad with like the shares I just thought that's really funny and it was great because he wants to talk all that shit fine you take the company back and I'll just have Catco <laughs> which you know I'm right. glad Catco is back now because maybe we can just stick to news and leave the tech out of it um so that that was good that we don't have to pretend to be I don't know what's gonna happen to Kelly because it looks like her job is not long no longer viable but um she'll start her own business I'm rooting for you, Kelly. <laughs> yeah. You did bring up a good point, like another character relationship with Alex and um, John. And, you know, they always have like a, a really good dynamic and it's a really nice father daughter thing that they always have. So and like a lot of the emotional beats and I didn't, <laughs> he's Lillian, Lillian Luther shown for me because I love that, you know, she wasn't taking Lex's shit and that, you know, his like narcissism didn't work on her. Um, and, like the fact that he was like, she was very in mom mode, like you're going to save your sister <laughs> um, and she cannot die in this whole thing. Um, so even though that she's an evil person, she's an evil mom, she's still a mom. And so she was still like, uh, right. Very protective of like the family as a unit and the Luther family growing stronger. So I, I liked all of her interactions with Lex. Um, I thought Lex was just ridiculous in the fortress. I can't remember. Oh, he was playing We Are the Champions in the background as he was like, you know, playing with all the guns and all this shit. And it's just like, you are the worst, like, you know, fanboy on Reddit. <laughs> that is like complaining. <laughs> that is like, what he is like his whole personality <laughs> reminds me of. Um, 
and is just like as predictable as he is about wanting to he doesn't even need to kill Kara, but wanting to kill Kara for the heck of it. And he's been like defeated, but he still has to have the final word and sending her to like the Phantom. Like he's just so ridiculous. Um and I guess he is the Lexiest Lex to ever Lex. I don't know. <laughs> but I love Lexi was just like really funny too and, and just how ridiculous it was. But what did not spark joy? Um, I think just like mainly plotting and pacing is what did not spark joy in that like I know that they were unfairly cut off at the end of last season, but Leviathan was never it, right? It never really built to a satisfying conclusion and then game that mm, that lady like like you mentioned yourself you know kind of office like was it really epic i don't know i can't remember it it just happened for me and yet i have already erased it from my memory once Kara was like okay we're done with that moving on to lex i was much more invested so it did kind of feel like it went out with a, a whimper if you will um meanwhile onto the you know new stuff i was not uh, particularly, like, I liked Kelly comforting Andrea, but I didn't like that was, like, all she did. Um, also, the fact that we were confirmed that Kelly does not know the Kara Supergirl is just ridiculous at this point. Like, why wouldn't she know? And why is she going to find out now that Kara isn't even there? <laughs> I feel like it was um, different. Like, it's different for, you know, Lena because mm-hmm. of the whole initially, because she's a Luther thing. And so I feel like people would be actively thinking like oh we can't let it slip in front of lena but kelly like her brother is james alex Mm -hmm. is her sister she's with them like every day the whole group so i feel like it would have like slipped at some point so the fact that it didn't is a little weird under the impression that i she did know like all last season right right there's never been there's never been a scene yeah there's never been a scene of her knowing but it, it felt like heavily implied that she did know so the fact that she didn't know is like weird Right, it feels like, A, a bit of a retcon, and then, B, a bit insulting that she's never even been in a position where her knowing or not knowing was important, you know? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that we wouldn't know until this moment. We're like, oh, I guess it's, you know, time to either tell her the truth or come up with a random reason why she's not here. <laughs> so that was that was uh, annoying. Also, um, all <laughs> It's enough for up, William, but not for Kelly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, William, at least, you know, he doesn't, he's, he's just, he just met them. <laughs> so that's, <Yeah>. fine. <laughs> you know, that's fine. But, right. And the fact that they, they, they were able to incorporate several moments where it would be relevant whether or not William knew, you know, and not for Kelly. It's like rude. <laughs> anyway, the, the lack of climax after all that build up for John and Magan, like, okay. What? So oh, what yeah. did happen with the mind melds? Yeah. Just, okay, cool. I guess we did that. We didn't even Come need on. to see like the melding. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Come on, show me the meld. So that was a little bit okay. Fine. Um, and then I like I feel like I understood it better. With first off, I had to read a recap of the episode after I watched it, and then also with you guys explaining the whole Kara dies, revived by Lena's suit, sent to the Phantom Zone. Like I felt like it was like a lot of things happening. And so when the fake out happened that she died, like, I obviously knew she did not die. So, like, I was not concerned about this. But then it seemed like the team also was just, like, didn't care at all. So I was like, okay, it was already part of the plot. But then I was like, Kara didn't seem to know that it was part of the plot because she literally recorded a little goodbye message (laughs) for posterity. So clearly she thought she might die. And so then I was like, 
what what just happened? I don't know who knew what <laughs> when. Recorded it really fast, like your whole life in like a minute. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> so it was it was a little bit strange. It was a little strange. I still, you know, I'm glad that Lena, you know, saved the day, and <laughs> that's all great. But it was like I feel like they could have done a little bit, made it a little bit clearer, or at least given more weight to the possibility of Kara dying. Because I don't think that was ever really, you know, there, there didn't seem to be anyone in that room who was like, oh no. <laughs> so. <laughs> anyway that's all yeah I completely agree about the Kelly thing I was really surprised because I like I said I was under the impression that she already knew so to have it confirmed was like I, I guess they're going to make it a thing now because they already announced that she's going to be guardian this season so I guess they have to make it a plot <laughs> but it's unnecessary because she's been so much a part of the crew already that like whether she does or doesn't know, like it doesn't matter. She should just know and not have it be a thing. But anyway, right. um, I didn't I think did like, in general. I think I'd, I, I kind of alluded to it, but I did like the conversations that she had with that Alex had with John and Lena about it, and the fact that Lena was like, "You need to tell her." I like mm-hmm. that conversation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, oh my god, I lost my train of thought. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> Uh, Leviathan, oh my god, so underwhelming. Like, the fact that they were even dispatched in, like, the first three minutes of the episode says volumes about how underwhelming they were as villains. Because literally none of us cared. I don't think the audience was really that invested in them either because we forgot they even, like, when the episode started, I forgot they had even existed. I'm like, oh, she's still around. <laughs> I guess we have to deal with her now, but they could have just done what flashed it with Caitlyn's storyline of her leaving and, like, her having to deal with her frostbite or whatever. It's like, oh, let's just drop this plot line and move forward. Um, So they could have done that, but they did not. So I thought that was them as, as villains as a whole were just underwhelming and boring, and I did not care. Um, And just... I know that this was, you know, not really a season six premiere premiere because of the cut short season last last year, even though it was just like one episode, I think. But it did feel very plotty in a way where like you not zone out in with the action, but there's just like way too much of it. And I because they just like wanted to wrap up everything. So there were moments where it just it did feel like weirdly fragmented and you're just like oh, okay i guess we're just we're done with leviathan we're just jumping into the next thing we're done with the next thing we're moving into like julia i don't know giving away her shares to her dad um julia oh andrea sorry sorry andrea julia's her, <laughs> like what is penny more doing over here <laughs> i know delivering more <laughs> bad julia. news to a different show <laughs> <laughs> so yeah and i and i agree like Ke- kelly was like comforting her and stuff like that and that's fine, but Kelly could have been in on some of the the heart to hearts um with the rest of the crew, so I feel like that was just whatever um and I don't know, I feel like I guess I don't really know where they're going with this season outside of sending like Kara to the Phantom Zone. I didn't get a sense of like what's going to happen next because like Lex is sort of mostly out of the picture. We've got Catco back, but like I don't. I don't buy that people are just going to believe Kara's gone for however long. Like, if someone wrote an article about the Arrowverse for every time a superhero disappeared for long bouts of time. <laughs> um, it's it's just, like, really weird. They're like, oh, yeah, she's with Cat Grant writing a big article. I'm like, 
Okay, and Jan. Andrew was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My employee went off. <laughs> so I don't know. It's just it just feeds into the whole unrealistic, you know, dot gif of it all. And it's just <laughs> I don't know, because I don't know how long, like, Kara is going to spend in the Phantom Zone. So it is going to be weird to have her separated from the rest of the cast for so long and then kind of bringing her back in. Especially since it's the last season. Like, I understand why they did it, but it also feels strange that they kicked her out <laughs> as soon as the season started when it is, like, the final run for her. So hopefully she does get good stuff. Yeah, I think my my biggest issues were, like, the plot... And if, I can't remember if, because if, this is supposed to be, and they had filmed most of this last season before the pandemic shut down, right? And I can't remember, I feel like it was supposed to be more final for Lex, but they changed it around, like once the thing shut down, change it around. Um, I feel like I read that somewhere. And so I'm wondering if maybe that's part of the plottiness issues. But, and I also, like... You know, we're going to have to do, like, instead of, like, Lady with Gumption of the Week, like, worst CGI of the week. Because I feel like, you know, Flash was had a had a lead with Fuerza. But now we have whatever Gamamine was in her technology <laughs> state. I just, like, it's so bad. And I don't know if maybe I don't understand CGI and how, like, you create it. But I swear I feel like the CGI for Gamamine should not be that bad. They had a whole year to work on it. They had filmed most of this stuff before it shut down. Like, why does she look that bad? Like, it, it just not make sense to me. Um, and I also feel like they could have, like, left her out of the plot. Like you guys said, like, it's been so long that I don't really remember half of what Leviathan did. And we know that Brainy, like, you know, trapped them or whatever. So we could have just, like, retconned it and left at that and just not deal with her at all. Um, especially because she didn't really have much to do once they like they got rid of her in the first couple opening minutes, so it was a point. Um, you know, she didn't have any influence over the whole overall plot, so it was kind of weird. Um, and then the rest of the plot, like I said, it was like disjointed, and you know, like you guys said, there's like too much going on, and people are very obviously paired off together. You need to go here, and you need to stay here, and you need to go there, and I'll go here, and so it was kind of like all over the place. Um, well, I did like some of the character relationships and, um, those heart-to-heart kind of stories. I feel like Brittany and Lena's, like, guilt Olympics over who was more responsible for Lex's behavior was a little bit, you know, it was going on too long. Um, it's important conversation that, you know, because they are both duped by Lex, but I just feel like some of those apology tours dragged a little bit and I don't know if that's because they didn't have anything else going on with the plot so they just kind of like hammered home you know the beating themselves up over this and you know apologizing to Kara and to Nia over and over again um you know I get it <laughs> but it felt like it kind of like dragged on a little bit long um, and it may, I don't know, maybe it would have flowed better if it aired when it was supposed to, but, you know, now I'm kind of, like, over it. <laughs> so, I was kind of over it. Um, and then I, I feel like I'm going to go on, like, this, like, long rant about um, superhero costuming, because Alex's 
Oh yes! Oh my god! Was yes, so, so distracting. <laughs> She's not wearing a mask, so it's not like the grease paint, like Oliver's grease paint or whatever. It's just eye makeup, and it's so heavy. It's not just. It's even if even though it's so heavy, it's not really disguising what it is. So it just looks like awful. First of all, on her face, and it's not like it's like three different colors, and there's like blending going on. And it pulls her eyeballs down alongside her nose. And there's just also this, like, little blue braid in the front of her hair. Like, what is going on here? Like, no one has time to do all of that every time they need to fight. And (laughs) I feel like you're going to go that far with, like, Alex doesn't have time to, like, blend three colors and do all this shit. Like, if there was, if they looked on... Um, I'm sure there's a lot of makeup artists on like Instagram or whatever that do like makeup across that goes across the bridge of the nose so that it looks like one solid mask type. If you're gonna do like makeup, you could make it at least interesting. Like this just looks ugly and unpractical. And I feel like they went for femininity over functionality. So I don't know who designed that, but they need to do like a redo because I don't like it <laughs> at all. It is. It's distracting. Oh it's very distracting. It's very heavy. It's an ugly shade of blue, and it just does not work for her. And it doesn't feel like very realistic that she would sit there and do that every time she has to like mask up. Just get her a mask, please. Um, and then this is like a, a minor nitpick. I kind of alluded to it before, but I, and I, I'm, I'm saying my, it's not like I'm a not joy because I know that he gets so much hate for breathing. But I did think it was a little funny that. William thought that, you know, he was close enough to Kara that she would tell him if she had to leave. <laughs> because it's like, y'all, I don't... Puppy, he's like, oh my god, how did she leave without... I, I do think, I, I guess it's going to lead into prediction, but um, I feel like he's going to go on his own mission to, like, try and find disappeared Kara oh, and make it a thing yeah, that's a, yeah, to, to the yeah. point where they have to tell him is because she's Supergirl because <laughs> he won't let it go. I, I would like that. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I, I mentioned it before and rounded my likes with the fact that it took way too long for someone to knock Lex the fuck out. Like, it just seemed really weird. He had done, like, the most damaging thing. And in, they were treating him like a Sour Patch cat. Like, he was sour and now he's sweet. And they have to, like, not hit him. <laughs> but it just felt kind of, like, weird that Car is gone and then they just stand there. And Lex is just standing there and you can't hit me because I'm not a Superman anymore. And like, okay, whatever. So, yeah. Um, what does Shang have to say? Cause I know he has thoughts and anyone else with Supergirl thoughts. <clears throat> Shang says for all the ragging and elevated blood pressure, this show's had a massive place in my life and I'm not going to pretend like I'm not sad to see that it's in its last season. Number one, I don't know if it's because of COVID regulations, but I really like how closed off the scenes were and how they paired off characters to have heart to hearts. It felt very calm before the storm. Number two, so Kelly doesn't know, (laughs) laughing my ass off. (laughs) Hopefully Alex tells her next episode then, or maybe I'll have another scene. It'll have another scene of Alex and Lena talking before she goes to talk to Kelly and then Kelly and Lena talking about hiding secrets. They could be like best pals now. Um, Jessica, Jessica, Jesse and Nicole's chemistry <laughs> just does it for me with Brainia. That pinky promise was so cute. Mayhaps I'm a soft bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and I know Brainia is going to be endgame, but if they don't, then Lena and Brainy, absolute chef's kiss. 
Kara is always that hero that is willing to die for the planet and everyone just lets her do it. Of course, not without feeling hurt and pain in their hearts because they know she's Supergirl. But Lena, Lena literally said, not on my watch. And she built in a whole, whole ass protocol protocol for Kara not to die against Kryptonite. She mind wiped her whole family to protect Kara's identity. Hello, it's the wife vibes for me. <laughs> and that is all for Shang. Oh, wait, one more. Car being thrown into the Phantom Zone. Let my baby live. She has suffered enough. And if that memory crystal comes back in the finale episode, I will be crying. El Mariah Shang. Oh. I think Suara has Supergirl thoughts as well. I don't think anybody else did. Let me see. Sonya does. Yes, she does. So Sonya's thoughts on Supergirl are... Infinite scroll. Before I get into my review of this episode of Supergirl, I want to point out that Alex and Nia both wear eye makeup as part of their superhero costume, with Alex's being way over the top and Nia's being more subtle. But at the end of the episode, we had seen Nia at Catco not wearing much makeup, and the next scene, she's in the Dreamer costume with the brainy and her eyeshadow is on. It's like, does she put on the costume and then do her eyeshadow and then go save people <laughs> just to fight crime as Dreamer? Because it seems like a waste, doesn't it? <laughs> right. I love how Nia. <laughs> I love how Nia basically astral projected, dreamwalked, but then with her I with her determination that. to that save Brainy, really yeah, actually managed to physically touch something. Like I love to see her coming to her own with into her own with her powers. It was amazing to see the whole team fighting together in multiple instances, and I hope we see more of it as the season goes on. Kara turning herself into Lex and basically making a last will and testament literally broke my heart. Can I just say I love how Lex is using Lena's invention to make everyone love him. <laughs> Let's go get some therapy. <laughs> uh, Jean and Magan doing that Martian mind meld was great, be- despite because despite Jean's reservations and Magan knowing his every thought, he still did it to save everyone, and that's why Jean is the best. I'm glad that they had Nia be all, oh, she's on a story with Cat Grant, because then it makes sense for Kara to not be there, and also it's great to have a callback to Cat. And I think we're getting an episode this season where she we have like flashbacks to young Cat, right? Mm-hmm. That would be perfect. Um, let's see. Honestly, I'm glad that Lena found out that Kelly doesn't know that Kara is Supergirl because it shows her how selfish she was being acting like she had a right to know Kara's secret. That's true. Like, girl, you don't have the right to know shit, and now you understand why. Thank fuck. Like, if someone had just told her this last season, we could have avoided all this crap. Uh, so glad that William's story about Lex and Leviathan worked out, and it's a potential Pulitzer winner. And then he also mentioned Kara as a co-author. <laughs> like, I so think <laughs> I may be kind of starting to ship them. So hopefully they can get Kara out of the Phantom Zone quickly. so hard to, like, center Kara and she just I leaves know. and not tells him. <laughs> Such sad times for William. <laughs> I feel for him. <laughs> and it was so nice having three DC TV shows to review. And apologies for this long email. No worries, Sonia. Thank you so much for your thoughts. And Suara has Supergirl feedback as well. I didn't realize how much I missed Supergirl. Danvers' sisters, my supercore heart. Brainy finally not being an idiot to Nia and declaring his love. There was so much good in this episode. I love how they came together to defeat Lex. Obviously not happy with Kara being trapped in the Phantom Zone, but found it compelling and well done overall. Get out so you can get to Lena, your one true love, Kara, or William, if that's where you're, if where they're going. I like him. <laughs> I'm looking forward to where the, the show goes in its last hurrah. Again, very happy to have this uplifting show back on our screens. Well, thank you, everyone. Okay, now we have to dis- decide on a lady with gumption of the week. Tati had to jet, but her vote for Batwoman is for Jordan. Um, May, do you have any other? Let's do like by shows. Any other Batwoman? No, I agree with the Jordan one. That's that's great because she came on the scene. She did what she had to do. She was all about 
calling, holding people accountable. Okay, I'll agree with that. It's a strong choice for Jordan and Batwoman. Then on side B, The Flash. For The Flash? Hmm, 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 It's supposed to be Cecile, probably, but I don't yes. want to give it to her. <laughs> but she does have to get points for, for what she did, though. She put herself in a position where she had to use her powers that she was scared of and... Mm. While doing it in a villain's chair and pep talking Mary at the same time. <laughs> if I could give it to someone else, I probably would. But moving on to Supergirl. I I mean, definitely Kara probably because she was willing yeah. to, to like die. Yeah. <laughs> she's willing to sacrifice her life. She's willing to say goodbye to her family and friends and I do just want to give an honorable mention to Lillian for having the gumption to like tell Alex off and be like, "You're a dangerous <laughs> stand up for selfish son." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I also want to give points to like Nia for saving Brainy mm-hmm. and also telling him off because he deserved that. <laughs> so we have Jordan from Batwoman, Cecile on the Flash. And then Kara on Supergirl. I think it's definitely between Kara and Jordan for me. But I want to give it to Kara. I kind of want to give it to Kara too. Because she like you can't like. Like dying is the last frontier. Yeah. In terms of like gumption. And, and, <laughs> yeah. So I feel like you know. She, she definitely stepped up in a major way. When it was like a no win situation for her. Because. If she didn't, then Lex would destroy the world. And if she did, then she died. And she still chose to move forward, even knowing that that was a possibility. So I think that this is Kara's week. Um, Jordan, you will have more opportunities, I'm so sure. We'll (laughs) see more of you. Um, But definitely Kara this week. So thank you for listening. Um, And as always, we will be back next week with the three shows just supergirl and flash actually next week Batwoman, oh yeah that's right Batwoman's on hiatus. so it'll be a super flash podcast next week um and if you're on patreon then you will have another episode this week as we'll be doing the justice league movie the snyderverse cut so you can stick tuned for that double dose of podcasting um for your ears <laughs> and if you have any kind of feedback or um just want to keep in touch with us you can find us on twitter at ecbgumption you can send us emails ladieswgumption at gmail.com or you can send us ask on tumblr ladieswgumption.tumblr.com see you next time bye bye